There's a lot of great trail cameras out there. I've run the Tacticams, and that's a great system, especially their cell cameras. I've run a lot of different brands that I've I've recommended to you guys in the past, but the right fit at the right time is the SpyPoint trail cameras. I have uh, a couple of the Flex G36s that are cell cams. They do a really good job for keeping track of everything that's going on on my property. And I also have for, you know, kind of out in the back country, I've got these Force Pros. Man, the picture quality on those Force Pros is, is just amazing. If you guys saw some of the bear pictures I was showing you during Spring Bear, that was a Force Pro. Really great cameras. I, I'm really excited that they are, uh, they chose to sponsor the show because I've been, I've been using SpyPoint for a long time, and and I think you guys are going to be just as happy as I am with them. And check them out at SpyPoint.com and let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. Some of you might be old enough to remember back in the day when you can go to Walmart and get you a Savage Rifle for very cheap. And they did a good job, but they weren't, like, equipped for some of the hardcore hunting out there that we do today. If that's a memory that you have with Savage, like I do... I'm telling you, it's not like that anymore. Savage Arms is one of the premier firearms manufacturers dedicated to us hunters. I have this freaking uh, Savage 110. It's the Apex Hunter. And this thing is amazing. I love the AccuTrigger. You can also get them with the AccuFit, which allows you to adjust the stock. So if you're buying them for youth hunters or whatever, or just, you know, rifles fit you different. It's so flexible. It's so perfect for every hunter. It's just not the same Savage that it was 30, 40 years ago. It's a great firearm for everyday use while hunting, and they support hunters, and they support this show, and I really appreciate Savage Arms. Check them out anywhere firearms are sold or go to savagearms.com to find out more. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Time Studio and uh, brought to you by Eastman's Hunting Journals. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm uh, really excited. I've been actually working on this kind of episode for a long time, and uh, it, it's it's super fitting to get Dirk Durham on this episode because we've had a lot of these conversations, and we've also, you know... Um, on on let's see December 24th on Christmas Eve of uh you know a couple weeks ago here well that marked the 4 year anniversary of this here podcast and uh, Dirk was the first episode that we did on this podcast so um it works out this is going to be a a great conversation kind of centered around that hunting etiquette thing that that topic uh, if you guys are following along on Instagram 
uh, at the Western Huntsman, you can uh, you would have seen a post last night that I made about you know kind of what makes you mad when it comes to etiquette because there's I, I think that based on some other podcasts I've listened to in the past and some things I've read on like social media and whatnot, um, there tends to be kind of a mix up as to what hunting ethics is versus hunting etiquette and uh i i want to i want to first just kind of highlight what what is the difference like ethics actually in the post uh our friends over at high timber dreams they said ethics is how you treat the game and play by the rules etiquette is how you treat other hunters and i like that i I like that that. description yeah it's a great description so uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We we've uh, we've had a lot of conversations about a lot of different topics, but and I think the ethics thing and this fair chase thing has kind of been beat to death in a, in a lot of ways. Not that we can't still have that kind of conversation, but there's not enough discussion out there centered around etiquette. And Dirk and I kind of started this conversation on his podcast uh, like a month ago when we were talking. Uh, we were talking about you know how hunters treat each other on social media and, and, and some of the hostility uh, that hunters have towards each other. And, and it's my opinion, I don't know if you agree with this, Dirk, but it's my opinion that a lot of that hostility on social media is like kind of a, um, a symptom of what happens in the field. Some guys are still really cranky about something that may have happened six months ago uh, during their deer season or something, and they get real nasty with other people, and and that kind of that that stuff bleeds into each other. Um, and, and I'd so, agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree so, with that totally. Would you? Okay, good. And, and just so again, if you guys have listened to this show, you guys know who Dirk Durham is. He's my hero. He's the guy that I <laughs> I wish I was as good. Uh, I wish I was like my fingernails were as good as at at hunting elk as uh, Dirk is. Um, he is the host. He's a uh, milk hunting fingernails. Yeah, well, dude, that's not a smash one right do. there. Uh, I smashed that in uh, in October in in Montana, helping my buddy John Gabriel take some snow tires out of the out of his attic in, in his garage. Oh. And uh, yeah, it's still black. I'm almost emo. If I had all of them, it'd be emo. But <laughs> that would I'd be just pretty the, emo. It's just the it's just this one. <laughs> it's the birdie finger. So it's, it's like kind of an finger. explanation point when you flip somebody off and you get some <laughs> Boise road rage, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Dirk hosts the. Um, he is a co-host on uh, Cutting the Distance podcast with Meat Eater and um, is with Phelps Game Calls, kind of knows a thing or two about hunting. He's been hunting a long time and has had a lot of success. And I, I just really wanted to pick his brain uh, as well as read some of these comments we got off this post. So, Dirk, I appreciate you joining me, brother. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Um, yeah. Anytime Jim says, hey, you want to get on a podcast? I say, Absolutely. When are we going to do it? Um, you <laughs> asked me last night and I was like looking at the clock I'm like, oh, we could probably do it tonight. I'm like, I'm always game. So happy to be here, brother. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Actually, that was a super. I was thinking you were going to tell me sometime next week and which is totally fine, too, because I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take you any way I can get you, brother. So and I don't yeah. mean that in like a gay way. Uh, so. <laughs> no homo. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, got you. You mentioned your fingernail i i uh i bought a new drum set i texted you a picture of it and i'm super rusty man so i was i was sitting there rocking out on him and i smacked my thumb my left thumb with my right drum oh, stick. No. dude oh. it was painful and but it doesn't look anything near what yours does it's a little purple but nothing like your little uh, snow tire 
I peed yeah, a little. I yeah. peed a little. Yeah. yeah sure. my, mine, you, you should have me. seen the dance I did. I, it, it not only did it smash, but it peeled back all the meat here by, oh. right above. and then it, it got a couple of these others. They were like, you know, the, the innocent bystanders that got some too. Uh-huh. And I, start dancing around it and john thought i was being silly he's like he started laughing he's like what are you doing i'm like oh <laughs> it hurt so bad like a little tear came out of my eye and everything it was it's so funny how such a tiny little thing could be so painful but uh, i haven't smashed my finger in years um when i used to sling tires when i worked at les schwab for 18 years i, uh-huh. <laughs> I smashed my tires a lot in the first five years and i got better at it but every now and then i'd i'd, I'd get gotten by something and i would smash the holy f out of my fingers or a toe or something and you know i've kind of got soft in my old age i haven't done that for a while (laughs) dude there is something about it's like the that the fingertips like the the nerve endings or something you know how uh if you cut your the the very tip of your finger with your pocket Mm -hmm. knife or something Mm -hmm. it's way more painful than if you like jab it into your arm even though your arm oh, yeah. is bleeding a lot more, you know, it's, it's crazy oh, yeah. that, yeah, it's a lot of pain, man. And smashing them, there's nothing worse than that. So oh, yeah, here's to, uh, next time Gabriel needs some snow tires. He's going to, he's going to call his cousin or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or his wife. <laughs> or his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So uh, yeah, Dirk, Dirk, I kind of, I, you know, intro the podcast talking about what, how I kind of define hunting etiquette and, and whatnot. What, give us your take. What is hunting etiquette in your mind? How, how would you define it? Yeah, it's basically how we treat other people that treat other hunters when we're afield. Um, you know, I think probably the biggest, the biggest problem, or at least for me is you kind of set a standard or set a, maybe where your etiquette stands. And it's almost, it's almost like, um, this is how I think, you know, golden rule. It's like the golden rule, right? I want to treat other people like I want to be treated. And sometimes maybe people don't understand that golden rule. Maybe they're new to hunting. Yeah. They don't understand. Like there's, there's some golden rules to like hunting etiquette, you know, or maybe they just don't care. Maybe they're just like, yeah, if that guy, I'm going to do whatever I want. But, um, that, that's what it is to me. Um, and I think sometimes I get let down because, you know, people don't have, that same ground, those ground rules that I, I like to, you know, set, you know, um, maybe that's not how they see the world and see, you sure. know, other hunters. So I think that's where the frustrating part comes in. Well, I, I have like a two part question. So mm-hmm. first of all, you, you and I are long enough in the tooth to know, like, we know, we remember hunting back in the day before social media and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the first part of that, do you feel like etiquette, hunting etiquette on the mountain has gotten worse or better over the years? Um, I've had run-ins even back in a long time ago with people, Mm -hmm. um, doing, in my opinion, the wrong thing. So it just, it just kind of depends, you know, I've, I've, you know, this last fall, I had a big run-in, um, you know, probably in 1996, I had a big run-in. So I feel like, and over the years in between, I've had some run-ins with people that, you know, they either didn't have the same golden rule or same um, thought process that I did. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's gotten worse over time, you know, um, but I, I feel like it's bound to happen. It's just like you, you yeah. spend very much time doing anything. You're going to have a negative um, run-in, whether you're driving cars or 
um, spending time in grizzly bear country or whatever, you're going to have a run in with that's negative if you spend a lot of time there. And um, no doubt I've, I spend every fall, I spend 50 plus days in the field. So, yeah. Oh yeah. You're bound to, you're, you're bound to have a bad day and a bad experience with somebody yeah. else. And, and I, I, I agree with like the description as to like, I had some really negative experiences back in the nineties when I was rifle mule deer hunting in like Utah because yeah. back, and I don't know how it is now. Um, I've lived in Utah in years, but growing up, man, it was like the orange army on that. You couldn't, it felt like you couldn't get away from people a lot of that was because the the group I was hunting with and the and the mentors that I had they didn't really want to go that far from the truck you know and so sure. we we just didn't and so neither did everybody else and so there there was like a lot of hostility but when I started bow hunting I noticed that there was like this difference in the way people treated each other on the mountain there was like this respect and I think part of that is you know if you've got this big open basin or bowl or something like that and let's let's use mule deer as an example and you're and and you you're wanting to hunt in that that basin and there's there's like a bunch of open face and and some patches of trees or whatever you know if you're if you're rifle hunting one hunter is going to cover that entire thing for the most sure. part and if there's like two or three hunters in there that 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 basin is blown out and the difference is is like if you're bow hunting that uh, and and this is not to get on a, a a shtick of you know bow hunting versus rifle hunting. This is no. this is just my experience. When I started bow hunting, those same exact mountains, there would be another bow hunter. But you're talking this guy. You could see this guy walking down the the other side of the basin or whatever. He's you know a half a mile away. It didn't bother you because we're bow hunting. So I didn't have that kind of range, and he didn't have the kind of range to come up my side. So we could both kind of cover this basin. And there was just like this more, like those two hunters would meet in the middle at some point. And, and because obviously he would see me, I would see him, we'd work, work our way down and just kind of meet up and maybe, you know, shake hands and, and tell each other what we've been, you know, mostly just lie to each other about what deer we've seen, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. and, and, and so like, that was a, uh, the biggest thing I noticed with archery was that, uh, there was a lot more respect and kindness on the mountain. However, that doesn't exist today like it did back then. Like I've noticed the hostility that I uh, and and some of the bad manners that that took place back on the, on those rifle hunts is like bleeding into the archery hunts now, and and archery hunters aren't aren't giving each other that space and that respect and that courtesy, and that's really all etiquette is. You know, you think about you remember that movie The Titanic, where that lady is telling. Um, what what's his name? Leonardo DiCaprio. They're out to dinner yeah. in a fancy restaurant, and she's like, "Well, you're new to your. Th this is how the new money people do. It. You know, we didn't we didn't grow up like this. So this is this is what this fork is for. This is what that fork is for. You know." And she's teaching him etiquette in a fancy restaurant because he didn't right. know, so he didn't know any better. He would have started, you know, eating the salad with the wrong fork or whatever, and offended everybody <laughs> at the table. And I I wonder, and I want to get your take on this. I wonder if. That is uh, has something to do with some of the etiquette issues that we see today. Um, is it because there's a lot of new hunters that maybe some of the etiquette that like you and I were taught were not passed down? Or is it just the fact that maybe we we see more people on the mountain so it it seems like a bigger issue? What do you what do you think? Here's my take. I think I think you're you're right. I, I'd agree with you. I, I think um 
today in the West, the bulk of the hunters we're seeing in the mountains today are, are adult onset hunters, right? Mm -hmm. So they didn't have dad or grandpa taking them out as a 12 year old uh, hunter and instilling in etiquette and telling them, teaching them everything about the hunt. You know, we've talked before about like grandpa taught you how to hunt. Grandpa taught you everything there was about hunting when you first started hunting, right? They missed, they missed that whole important part of their life. I feel like it's no different than, than, than people who were raised without a, without a, a mom or a dad. They miss out on that particular portion of their life, whether it was the, the, you know, maybe having a dad in the household and hold them a little bit more accountable or a, or a mom in the house, um, maybe teaching them, teaching them love and, and nurturing and things like that. Um, yeah. there's always that missing piece. And I think all these, uh, not all, a lot of our adult onset hunters, um, maybe through no fault of their own, they just never had dad or grandpa teach them the right way to act in the backcountry. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you nailed it. Do you have, do you have an opinion as to, well, not an opinion, like what in you, in your experience, what's your biggest pet peeve in terms of etiquette or lack of manners, um, when you're on the mountain? Um, I think I, <laughs> that's, the answer to this question, there's so many like variables and so many butts to it. But one of, one of my biggest problems or pet peeves, um, I see is, um, if I'm walking up a trailhead that definitely goes into a place where there's not a lot of country to hunt for two people, just kind of like what you described, um, you know, uh, mule deer hunting and in, in up in a basin or something, or you're, you're, if you're, if I'm in an area where one person is going to walk out this trail for X many miles and it's a pretty small, narrow ridge system. And one person's probably going to hunt that and stink it up plenty on it on yeah, their own. Kind of blow it out. Yeah. Um, right. And then another hunter comes in behind you and sees that you're parked there already. And then they walk in behind you and then you try to get around you or whatever. Or let's say you do meet up there and then you make a plan. And you separate, but they don't stick to the plan. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Or, yeah. or let's say, um, I'm working a bull and it's obvious I'm an elk or, or I'm not an elk and, the, and I'm working this bull. And then there's this other hunter who is leveraging my calling to move in on that elk, um, and, and try to, try to, try to, um, use my calling as a distraction for them to get in, um, to the elk. It's almost like a competition. Like we got to yep. get to the elk yep. first. Like, I hate that. Like, and, and that's why, that's why if I see some, if it's a, a trailhead, that's got not a lot of country behind it, I see pickup parked. I'm not walking up there. I'm not going to waste my time walking up there to compete with another hunter not for, <sighs> for those elk or deer, whatever yeah. it is. Um, same. <laughs> If I heard a bull bugling and I heard some dude over there working that bull, I'd be like, well, man, that might, that guy might just get him. I'm going to leave him be. I'm going to stay right over here on my side or I'm, you know what? I'm just going to get the heck out of here and go somewhere else because I don't want to mess him up or her. Yeah. I don't want to mess them, th that person up. <laughs> and I sure as heck don't want to go over there 
and like get in the middle of it and then try to get that out and then have them mess me up. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I just don't like trying to compete for an animal. I, I'm not into that at all. So, you know, I guess that, uh, that drainage scenario that you're talking about, like somebody, there's yeah. a pickup parked at the bottom and somebody's already up there. I, I don't understand the mentality of seeing a truck there parking next to it and then going in behind somebody thinking that whatever they're doing isn't going to be good enough, but what you're doing might be right. Like, like 99% of the time that drainage is going to get blown out. You know, that's what the odds are. It's not Mm -hmm. like you're doing yourself no favors by going into country that there's already a hunter in. Right. And, and to your point, I, you nailed my number one, man. If, uh, if I'm, if I put in the work and I get off the road and I hike way down into, you know, these North Idaho hell holes. Oh yeah. You get to the bottom of these things and, and you get a, you get a bull screaming. There's always some Yahoo up on the road driving an ATV that hears this going on. And they think that they're either going to take advantage of your calling or they're going to change the direction of where that bull is going and call them up to them. Even though, they know that the elk just heard that ATV pull up. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It just, that kind of thing drives me crazy. It, it's actually blown out a couple of really good uh, encounters I've had over the years where I'm I'm way down, you know, and, and again, you more than anybody know what I'm talking about when I say a North Idaho hail hole. Mm-hmm. And these things are steep and they are a long way down. And and sometimes that's just where the bulls are hanging out, you know, and uh, you get down there and, and I, there's this one, I stopped hunting there actually, because this just happened every time there's a, there was a big growly bull down there this entire September. Every time I'd, I'd hike down there, he'd never answer from the road, but if you hike down there, he'd, he'd chime off and he'd go nuts and he's hanging out by this super old wallow. This wallow's probably been there 150 years, man. It's just this old ancient wallow. It's so fantastic. And anyway, um, but that's what would happen is these, these ATVs would stop. They'd hear me down there screaming at this bull and the bull screaming back. They'd start calling and that bull would shut up and I'd never hear from him again for, for days. I'd have to give it like three, four days. Uh, right. And finally I'd go drop back down in there. But the uh, weird thing with like any kind of scenario like that, you know, I, I, I actually at one point stopped to like have lunch at the top of this drainage once. And I could hear a dude down there. He was a terrible caller, but he had a bull answering him. And I just, I, I just, I didn't want to turn my truck back on and leave and scare that bull. I just sat there and I was, I was waiting for the calling to stop and to hear somebody yell, hell yeah, or something, because then I would have hiked down and help him pack it out, you know? Right. And, And that's, that's what manners and etiquette are. And, and so I, I think that, I think we're on the same page with what we're driving at. Um, should we dig into some of these, these comments that I got on this yeah. post? Yeah, we, absolutely. Let's do it. That the one that, the one that you brought up and the one that is, is like pretty common on, on some of these, uh, uh, so on this post, the comment section there, you know, a lot of people are talking about that. If, if you're parked at a trailhead or you're parked at the bottom of a drainage or, or somewhere and somebody coming in behind you. And then there's like a twist to that, that we talked about Ron Hewitt. Uh, yeah. He sent me a big email about that. And I want to, I want to bring him into it here in just a minute, but um, <laughs> excuse me. All right. So, and, and I'm not talking about, and I talk about trailhead too. I'm not talking about the kind you find in Colorado. That's got 40 pickups parked at it. And, and oh, you have yeah, a, totally a giant yeah. uh, network of trail systems behind that trailhead where, you know, people are going to hike out the trail and disperse. 
in the wilderness. That's a complete different story. I'm like, you're that's expected, right? Oh yeah. Everybody's going to go there. They're everybody's going to hike up the trail till they find the spot and they're going to get off and go hunting and they may or may not encounter another person. But I'm mm-hmm. talking about the, the smaller type of places that, you know, you're going to walk in there and hunt it out in the morning. You know, you're going to hunt out all, all that, that country behind that trail head in a, in a morning's time, or maybe, uh, maybe even a full day. Yeah. But either way, there's not room for two. You're talking right. about like the, there, there, I mean, you can call it a drainage, but it's, it's more or less, it's like a, it's like a glorified ravine and, and they could be yeah. several miles up. Right. But there's basically two ridges and, and that one drainage coming down with maybe a couple of little, you know, smaller ravines feeding into it or whatever, right. you, you know, that's kind of a one man show that that's not going to be something that can like, if, if you've got a hunter on, on the South side of that. Some, and he's, he's calling and he's worked his way halfway up there. Somebody's not going to get on the North side of that and all of a sudden have a bull answer that side and, and, and have it not spooked by the guy on the South side. I don't know if I'm making any sense, Yeah, but it, it's just common sense. So, yeah. Okay. Um, let's start with, uh, Ray, Ray living with predators, Ray Livingston. Uh, he's a great dude. He's a mountain man up here in my neck of the woods. He says, nothing really, pretty much at peace out in the woods. I suppose someone's shooting an animal that runs off and they don't look for it thoroughly. It would piss me off. Um, yeah, that's, I, I'd say that's an etiquette thing in a, in a sense. It doesn't really have anything to do with other hunters. Uh, but I, I suppose there's, there's an etiquette side to that. That's more of an ethic thing. I think that's more of an ethics topic. What do you think? Right. It could, it could fall in either, either category almost. Um, I feel like almost we go back to that, what I said earlier, maybe they didn't have grandpa or dad to teach them about, you know, you follow up every shot, whether you think you're, you missed or not, um, you have to go, you have to do your due diligence. Yeah. Um, and for instance, um, my brother-in-law, Randy, him and I were, um, we're hunting one time. Well, we weren't hunting together, but we were hunting the same spot. Um, <laughs> I was already in the woods. I left a rifle in the truck because he he came up to see me and um, he hadn't planned on hunting. But I said, hey, if you stop by my truck, I'll have a rifle there and come up and have an evening hunt. Maybe you'll get an elk. So he stopped by my truck, grabbed a rifle and hiked up the hill. And we didn't hunt anywhere by each other. But anyway, he got up there on the hill and he seen fresh elk tracks. And a fresh rub, like smoking hot. And he's like, yo, man, I'm going to sit down right here and just call on this old logging road and mm-hmm. see what happens. So he cow calls and sits there. And within seconds, this bull walks right out in this old dirt, muddy rut logging road. You know, it's behind a gate, you know, so you're not shooting from a maintained road or anything. Yeah. And this bull walks out and stands there and looks at him. So he raises the rifle, puts it right behind the shoulder. Ka-chow, bang. And he said that bull kind of did a weird, funny stumble thing and ran off. And I heard him shoot. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that was old Randy. <laughs> Who knows? You know, because there's other people up there. So I walked over there and sure enough, there he was standing there. He's like, man, I shot a bull. I'm like, where was it? And we looked and I'm like, there's not a drop of blood. There's not a piece of hair. There's not a drop of blood. And I'm like, I don't know if you hit it or not. And he's like, I swear I hit it. I said, if you swear that you hit it, we have to we have to look until we we know that you didn't. Yeah. So we took in the the search and it started to get dusky, but but uh, we started following footprints and we followed them for I don't know a long time. It was really slow going because you know it's in a in a an area that had been logged and it's kind of cut off cut over and we're in the dark following footprints 
And after like 200 yards, find a speck of blood. And I'm like, blood. I'm like, you did hit it. I'm like, (laughs) wow. I don't think you hit it good. He's like, I don't know. I swear I hit that thing good. I was so solid when I aimed. Where did you aim? Right behind the shoulder. I'm like, all right. Shooting a seven mag here, man. You should have like, I think you should have went ass over tea kettle, right? Yeah, yeah. So we keep following tracks and a little bit of blood. And the the blood starts getting a little better. And we follow it for about 50, 60 more yards. And then all of a sudden, a little bit more blood becomes apparent. And then we kind of push through some brush and there's the bull laying dead. And oh, wow. It looks like somebody took a, a sprayer and sprayed blood all over the area. Yeah. And where, where he'd hit it, he'd aimed behind the shoulder, but where he hit it was right in the juggler. Oh, barely. Shoot. It just skimmed it to where when that thing ran off, it didn't leave a didn't leave any blood, didn't leave any hair. But as it ran off, in my mind, this is what happened. As it ran off, as his blood pressure got to building and building because he's running because he's mm-hmm. the bull scared and he's running and running. It made that hole rupture open. And then finally about where we found him is where it just finally split open. Oh, wow. Just blew blood everywhere. Crazy. But we sit there and we're just like, I can't believe that. Like, I feel like 90% of people would probably have bagged it. They would have said, no, nope, you missed it. Yeah. There's no blood, no apparent blood. And that, that can be, and I, in my opinion, you know, rifle hunting or bow hunting, you know, it's, it's very easy to, to have a, an animal that doesn't bleed within a hundred or 200 yards of where you shoot. And you just yeah. have to do your due diligence and follow, follow, follow until you're a hundred percent sure that you didn't kill it or, or hit it. So, yeah. Especially bear hunting, man. There's bears sometimes just it, don't like, bleed sometimes. they don't, yeah, it's just the weirdest thing. You'll, you'll, you'll nail one and it'll go. Like you said, 200 yards before you pick up a blood trail. And then usually once you pick up the blood, it's usually not far after that. You find the bear, you know? Right. But, yeah. but you know, having the old timers, you know, uh, mentoring people, you know, they're basically saying, you're going to go look and find that animal or I'm going to kick your ass type mm-hmm. of, a you know, opinion or, or mindset where, you know, maybe you weren't raised up or hunting around that mindset, you know, maybe you didn't have that kind of mentoring and you're just like, oh, you know, the animal didn't drop and it didn't show no signs of being hit. And I don't, I don't initially, I don't see no blood. Um, eh, I didn't hit it. Yeah. So, you know, and maybe it's not a lack of, you know, being lazy or, you know, it's not a fact of being lazy or, or incompetent or whatever. They just don't know. They've never been mentored to be like, Hey, you have got to be a hundred percent sure on this before you mm-hmm. give up the fight on, on looking for an animal. Yeah. I I'm guilty. I'm, I'm actually guilty of that. I I've hit an animal. Um, and I, I, I just thought it was a bad shot or whatnot. And it was like a few days later, I found it via crows, uh, and oh, realized, yeah. Oh, you know, shoot i did kill that thing so yeah it, you know and it, it's it's a learn it's one of those learning experiences you never want to experience again you know um because you're right um so so okay yeah let's go back to let's see black bear pursuit i'm just going to go right down the list here black bear pursuit i hate when other hunters worry about or care about how others hunt how other hunters hunt sorry i'm like dyslexic, dyslexic sometimes. I can't even pronounce it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, it, it, who cares how other people hunt? As long as, you know, obviously we care if somebody's out there shooting game illegally, out of season, whatever. 
that's different. But um, like, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't, I, I like to call in elk. If you're a spot and stock guy, um, that all the uh, more power to you. I don't, I don't care. Right. I, I'm always the first guy to say, you know, I'm, I love calling in elk and I'll be the first person to say it, the people who spot and stock, they probably kill more and bigger elk than I ever will. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, Me too. <laughs> that's, that's what I, that's what I enjoy. And, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm better at it than the spot and stock game. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and everybody has kind of like their, for me, it's my comfort zone. I, I don't, somebody asked me this last year, you know, cause we do that school of September series. They're like, well, what are you going to do a school of October for rifle hunters and, and, and whatnot? Or can you talk about it? I'm like, man, I am not the guy to talk to. I don't know how to hunt elk with a rifle. I, I really, I, I don't really do that. Um, I should, well, it's about, should it's more. about time you get learned up on the school I, of I'm, October. I'm going to bring you on you up. You, you today, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be the October one. guy. I don't know if I'd be a good guy to have on there, but I know a couple people. All right. Good. Good. Yeah. One you, lives up there close to you. <laughs> sweet. Perfect. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll chat with him, man. Yeah. All right. Soul seekers nation. Um, when people justify their animal, they shot. It's not the biggest, but dot, dot, dot hunt your hunt and be proud. So he's, he's saying, he's saying, um, a lot of these are, I don't know. They're, they're like borderline etiquette versus ethics, but yeah, he's saying, uh, you know, uh, if somebody wants to shoot a three point buck instead of a, a 200 class buck, you know, that, that that's fine. Be proud of it. Um, I think that that goes to that episode you and I did uh, last week or last month on um, cutting the distance where we were talking about how we treat each other. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's one of those things. What do you, you got anything to add to that? Yeah. And I think, you know, some people may be uh, trying to overcompensate for, you know, maybe ego or something by saying, Oh, it's not very big, but you know, at least I got one or something. Um, but I think some people just unknowingly, you know, they're just talking, you know, um, you know, of course we'd all, all wanted to get a big one, but <clears throat> yeah, this is the one I got and I'm still happy I got it. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like it's not always in a, <clears throat> a negative connotation, you know, when people say that, um, yeah. I guess it goes, it's case by case, right? Yeah, totally. So I, I don't, I don't usually, I don't, I just kind of let those kind of things kind of go. It's like, yeah, okay, cool, man. You do you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't let it bother me. Uh, I, I think, I think so. Uh, he's, he's not wrong from a sense. Like I'll be the first to admit I've killed some things that I did not post because I was like, man, that is, uh, people are going to look at that and think that I'm like some amateur or something like that. And I don't really care what people think, you know, <laughs> right, right. If I get down to the last day of season, uh, I'm shooting whatever walks out in front of me, man. I, the, the meat, like my buddy, Mike Bozarth says, man, the, the, my freezer is my trophy room at the end of the day. So whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. I like this one. I think you and I have talked about this one before bows and bears. Um, he says getting scoped, i.e., Someone using their rifle instead of binos to glass any um, glass. Yeah. I think we talked about this, you and I, oh, at some yeah. point. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he says, anyone leaving trash, not wearing hunter's orange where required. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that one. Uh, getting, getting glass through somebody's rifle scope. That is definitely a, a, an etiquette issue. That is not good etiquette. Obviously, if you think about it, if you do that and you, you just kind of slip on a rock, if you've been around weapons and rifles and firearms long enough, you've had one accidentally go off when you didn't want it to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's all it will take. I mean, man, I, I just, 
like I was in the Marine infantry and, and I lived with a rifle for like five years. I mean, these things were in my sleeping bag with me and they would right. still do crazy shit sometimes like go off at, at random times or when you thought it was unloaded and, uh, you know, and I'm super safe. I'm over the top safe with firearms. So, so the idea of somebody picking up their rifle and, and using their scope to check me out because I might be hunting in their area or they're just flat curious or whatever, man, that's a big no-no. And, uh, I, I've, the, the bird finger has flown a couple of times when I've seen that come my way. Oh yeah. It's inexcusable, honestly. Yeah. Um, what, what's the first, what's the first thing they teach you about a firearm and hunter safety? You always point, consider, yeah, never yeah. point at anybody and it, consider it to be loaded at all times, whether you know it's not or not. And then I've hunted with a lot of people over the years and 99% of people, when you get out of the truck and start walking down the road or walking down the trail, whatever, um, into the woods, chamber around, put it on yep. safety, right? So yep. 90% of people are walking around primed and ready to go. Okay. So to scope somebody with, a, with something that's got one in the pipe especially it's just unexcusable. And then for the person on the other end, they don't know what, what you've done with your, you know, whether you have it loaded, don't have it loaded um, or what. So it, it's just not okay. And that, I mean, maybe somebody needs a pretty stern talking to for doing yeah. that. I, a guy did it to me one time and I set at his pickup for a couple hours waiting for him because I was going to let him have it and tell him where he messed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad he never showed up. Um, because yeah. you know, it would have been a very negative confrontation. It's but, only happened to you once. Well, the one time they got, it was the second time the guy did it to me. Oh, wow. Two, day, two gotcha. days in the row, two days in a row. The first yeah. day I was scouting, checking out a spot for my son for elk and some deer. And then the next day we went back in there and the next day I took my son in there with me. And from in the same, I was standing almost in the same boot prints and that guy was standing in his almost same boot prints and scoped me again. And I gave him the bird oh, wow. before. Yeah. And, you know, it's just unexcusable, um, but binoculars, they're cheap. I mean, you can buy them for as little as 40, 50 bucks. You can get a pretty damn good pair for 300, you know, for, for identifying an animal versus a person. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's not okay. Period. I mean, what are you trying to, uh, what, I, I don't understand what they're trying to gain by, I mean, I've been curious and I'll put my binos up and check, check another hunter out or whatever. But if I don't have binos, I'm not putting a scope up. Like, what are you trying to gain with that? You know, you could see clearly that that is a hunter. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to get the color of their mustache or to see if they brush their teeth? Like, what what, what is the point? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the point of that. So, yeah, that's 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 a big deal. And I think that that's one that um, I think that there there is a group of people that that have done that that maybe fall into what you had mentioned where they didn't have grandma grandpa. Or, or their dad in their ear about, you know, um, how dangerous that is. Even though, like, to guys like us, it might be super obvious. Maybe there's somebody listening that they've done it, and they're like, man, I didn't even think about how dangerous that could be. Right. Because, you know, think, think about it. It's it's the odds of that rifle going off are pretty low, and if it does go off, the odds of actually hitting that hunter are pretty low. But they're not that low. Right. I mean, that is that that is that is a, a mistake that you can't take back. There is no recourse. There's no rebound from that. It's just it's it's definitive, you know. Uh, so, yeah, definitely, definitely not scoping people. I think I got a couple of comments on that one. You got anything to add to yeah. that one? Yeah. I, and just be sure of your target. I mean, geez, I mean, 
Um, I have a family member on my wife's side, you know, distant family. He was rattling one day for whitetails and somebody shot him. Oh, really? And thank God. Yeah. Thank God the bullet went through one of the antlers before it struck him, hit him in the arm, but he's still messed up to this day. That was 25 years ago. He's still messed up to this day in that one arm. And that's crazy. And it's just like, man, you got to, you can't just see antlers and just take a shot. I mean, that's, I mean, is that going to be a killing shot? I mean, come on, you got to find, find the vitals, yeah. You yeah. Know, verify that's an animal, <laughs> find the vital. I, I don't understand this concept, but, um, that, you know, that back, you know, wearing the orange too, if it's state law to wear the orange, you wear the orange. Yeah. And when you're in Montana, especially it's. It's it's a big deal, and I can see why. There's a lot of open country in Montana. People yeah. can get spread out, and there can be deer on the same hillside somebody else is on. And if you weren't wearing orange, you may take a you may not be shooting towards that person. You may not think they're a deer. You may be shooting at a deer, and not even know there's a guy standing there. So that orange mm-hmm. makes you stand out to the other hunters. Like, oh yeah, okay, be safe. Okay, there's animals there, but I can't shoot. There's a guy like 50 yards from that deer. Yeah. Um. I think that, uh, yeah, you have to wear your orange. Yeah, in Montana, they take that pretty serious too, man. Uh, well, I, I think any state does, but yeah, yeah. I, it's it's a big deal. I, they, I I can't imagine, again, grow, where I grew up, man, that was just required. You had to have a certain amount of orange and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you didn't dare not to. <laughs> I mean, there were mornings, it sounded like D-Day on opening day deer season, you know, back in the right. 90s, there's just bullets going everywhere and uh yeah that's 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 not a that's not a good combination yep uh let's see maybe along with learning to carry a damn weapon for hunter's edge there should be a course on this may uh, i do want to talk about that one okay so cut right mobile um he he threw out a lot on on me here he said this is a great great uh topic um he has a backpack full of these kind of things less than desirable uh and I don't want to. I don't want to open up too much. I'm, he's actually going to be coming on the show soon, so I'll dig into that. But he said maybe along with learning to carry a weapon for Hunter's Ed, there should be a course on this. Um, that's interesting because I've had some experiences with people that are not super experienced at hunting, and they don't pay a lot of attention as to where the muzzle is. Right. Uh, where their rifle is hunting, maybe they're walking behind you and you kind of turn around and that muzzle's aimed right at you. Cause they're not, they're not slinging the rifle correctly, or maybe you're behind them and, and they just kind of let it loosely unsling or they're mm-hmm. not paying attention going under some brush. And, and you just, there, there's, there's been a couple of folks over the years that I've hunted with that have made me nervous. Uh, and again, Weapons and firearms, they do mysterious things, man. Like you can, you could think you are the safest person on the planet and, and you think that thing's unloaded or you think that it's on safety or you think that even I I have even literally been one of those guys. I've had a rifle that I thought was unloaded and I still had it on safety because I didn't have the bolt open and that rifle went off. Uh, You can ask my dad. I scared the shit out of him because I was sitting in uh, the passenger seat of his uh, what was that? A little Ford Explorer or something like that back in the day. And I'm, I'm like 12, 13 years old. And I, I did, um, I did at least have the, the common sense to like, I had it pointed out the window kind of thing. It was leaned against my leg and it shot right past my ear and, uh, out the window and didn't at least put a hole in his truck or any of us. But, 
Uh, they just do mysterious things. So people that are not super conscious as to where that muzzle is is pointed, and I don't care if it's a sidearm or their main hunting rifle or a muzzle loader or whatever the case is, uh, that could be a really dangerous situation. And and hunters have been killed because of that. What say you? Oh yeah. Here, here's an anecdotal story. My son, he's um, twelve years old, first year hunting, and he drew a special tag in Idaho. Him and I both drew tags in this. Uh, controlled unit for elk so we go and the day before season we're going to make sure we sight in the rifles we've done our due diligence already but it's like okay tomorrow's opening day we're gonna go shoot the guns again just to make sure they're on you know I, some i'm time laughing i'm laughing at your cat behind you just so you know oh that's, <laughs> she keeps she keeps or he or i don't know he keeps peeking that's over Olaf. your shoulder oh yeah Olaf. I, <laughs> Olaf likes to get up here and chew on cords and walk across my keyboard. Yeah. Mine's over there peeking over the desk at me and you've got yours peeking <laughs> over your shoulder. So I just, I, I couldn't handle it anymore. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Yeah. There he is. Yeah. Handsome fella. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's my wife's cat. She got, she, I fought her tooth and nail. No, we're not getting a cat. <laughs> so she finally, I finally cave in. All right, fine. We can get this cat. Guess who the cat loves you, me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Astrid I know, loves same, me. same scenario over here, brother. This little cat Daisy over <laughs> here. We have three of them, man. Oh, man. But, but this Daisy, the female, she, she thinks I'm the coolest thing since sliced bread for some reason. <laughs> and, and uh, I, I'm a sucker, man. I, I love these damn cats. But, uh, anyway, get back to your story, man. I, I, sorry about that. Yeah. No, it's fine. So anyway, we go out, we're going to shoot these guns and, uh, I shoot mine and it's on. And, and Austin, I'm like, all right, you know, lay down here and get a good rest. And, and, uh, he puts a shell in the chamber and, and he's got a Remington 700 and you can open the bolt with the gun on safety. So the gun's on safe. He chambers around, gets settled in and now it's time to get ready for the shot. So he pushes the safety forward. And when the safety goes forward to fire, the gun goes off, bang, bang. And this is pretty new rifle right yeah and of course it it recoils he's not ready for it it kicks him right in the thumb and put a big old purple mark on his thumb and and uh he of course he didn't like that at all. <laughs> but uh i didn't like the fact that like this here was a perfect example had we been the truck or walking down the trail or hey, there's an elk and we're by each other and he flips the safety off and he's not watching his muzzle that could have ended in disaster oh totally um, um rewind why did that why did that happen? Well, remember Remington recalled their 700 triggers, right? Oh yeah. I remember that. Yep. And, and I'm just like, ah, oh, these are fine. Cause I've had, I've got a pile of Remington 700s. I'm a huge fan anyway. Um, and if you know what you're doing, <laughs> you can adjust the trigger, the factory trigger and have a nice, nice, light, delicate pull. You know, it's a great trigger. Um, unless it's not. So yeah, <laughs> I considered myself, I knew I'd read it on the internet. I did the directions. I did everything. <laughs> I've done this on a bunch of rifles. Yeah. And anyway, so I had adjusted that trigger to be better than factory because factory is pretty hard trigger. Well, it was my fault for doing that. So, um, anyway, do you think, did you just kind of like adjust it too much? You think like, Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I did adjust it too much. You know, there's directions like, okay, go one and a quarter turn this way, go two and three quarters turns this way or whatever. And yeah, then yeah. you take a uh, fingernail polish and put over the screws. And then that way they, it's kind of like, and you know, it's kind of like, um, 
Loctite, you know, keeps them from moving. Um, it's like, all right, yeah, this is great. Well, obviously I didn't do it right. Or it was from the factory. It was set different than other times that had been set from the factory. So I, I messed with, I changed it and went off. So anyway, um, I could have sent that gun yeah. in Remington would have put a new, new, um, trigger assembly in, but, um, I just put it back to what fa- supposedly factory specs were and had no problem since. That's but, interesting. You say that. Cause I, I had, I had a Remington that I adjusted the trigger on and I turned it into like that Chris Ledoux song, hair trigger, Colt 44, you know, that mm-hmm, hair trigger mm-hmm. song. It like, I mean, you whispered at that thing and it would go off and I couldn't figure out how to adjust it back ever. Uh, and I ended up actually pawning that gun off to buy Christmas presents for my kids one year. <laughs> so didn't perfect, have to worry perfect. about it, but yeah. that's why I got to throw a plug out. Uh, these Savage rifles I've been using, man, with that Aki trigger, it just kind of takes that issue out of it. And it's, uh, uh, if you guys are, if you guys are in the market, check out the Savage Arms, uh, lineup because they've all got that Aki trigger. Yeah. Uh, real sweet trigger. It really is. Yeah, man. So that's that's tough because especially if you've got your kid with you and and something like that happens and it just kind of throws, you know, every time something like that happens, I don't know about you, but I'm always like so surprised at myself that I let something like that happen Right. because I really am a cautious guy when it comes to firearms. Mm-hmm. I've seen them sure. do crazy shit, uh, military and otherwise. And, and so I'm just overly cautious. And so it's like just surprising. And I, I think that that's like i i don't think you could be reminded enough as a hunter when you're out there to really watch your muzzle control uh in terms of safety and where that thing's always pointed if you're if you're out hunting with a partner and and man that thing for some reason is is just leaning the wrong way on on your back going through some brush and uh it goes off that is permanent and you cannot take it back again just like what we were saying with the scope thing yeah. Uh, so yeah, something I like to practice when I'm hunting with another person is I don't like to chamber around, um, when I'm with them, yeah. um, as we're walking through the woods or whatever, it's uh, actually when a, we're that's together, actually a pretty wise idea. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's out of respect for them. Um, I don't, I want them to feel at ease that, that they, I'm like, I'm going to wait to chamber around till we get, you know, to where we're going to hunt yeah. or set up or whatever. Um, but I don't, I don't want them cause I, <laughs> I myself, I kind of like look over my shoulder, like Is that guy going to shoot me, right? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, always, I'm, yeah. I'm worried about, it. I'm freaked out about it. So I, I want to kind of yep. try to give them the same respect. So I'll, I'll do those kind of safe gun practices, you know, um, get in the vehicle, you know, we, we unchamber the rounds, you know, yep. unload the vehicle, unload the rifle, whatever, um, just to, just to make sure. I mean, those little, it takes an extra five seconds to do these things, but um, that, that's the kind of thing that keeps people safe. Yeah, it's worth it. I mean, if you it is. if you if you don't get the opportunity on on a buck that's already running anyway or something, I'm using deer as an example. Um, that's better than the outcome of what it could be if you chambered too early and it went off on accident and hit your buddy. I right? Mean, you know, it's right. not worth it. Right. You so. should be an expert at chambering around. Mm-hmm. Um, like absolutely. My brothers used to make fun of me because I'm the biggest gun nerd in the world when I was a kid, and <laughs> I would sit around and I are would you chamber. The, I would, are you I packed a gun everywhere. Yeah, are you the house. one that told me you're like like your your cousin or your sister or somebody got mad at you for having a gun in the family photo? Oh my, he's my sister-in-law. Yeah. She got mad at me because like, and we took this camping trip and every freaking photo I've got, I've got a pistol and I'm holding it like this. <laughs> what a redneck. 
Yeah, one of the pictures she's like, oh, making fun of me, you know, like, you know, I'm probably 11 years old, you know. Oh, that's but, great. You know, I'm packing a 357 Magnum, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I'd sit there and watch TV and handle my gun and, and, you know, I'm very familiar with the rifle. It, like, yeah, chambering well, around is, is, is like second nature or whatever. Um, but some folks struggle with that. And I was kind of, <laughs> I never played sports, but I, I heard a long time ago when I was a kid, um, yeah, if you want to be good at baseball or basketball or football, you should carry around that basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is around with you 24 seven. Right. Mm -hmm. So as we're sitting there as a family watching TV, I'm sitting there with my hunting rifle, scoping out the TV and chambering rounds. <laughs> that's fun. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm not chambering rounds. There was nothing. In it. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, was, I was cycling, cycling the bolt. Yeah. Let's just say, yeah. but, uh, you know, in my, and I take a pretty good, a lot of pride that I'm pretty quick with a, with a rifle. So. We you probably wouldn't know that. I'm over bow, bow on her, but I'm pretty damn quick with a rifle. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because I always do kind of think of you as an archery guy, archery yeah. only kind of guy. And I, I I remember I've I watched a you, you put out a YouTube video at some point. You were on an elk hunt. I don't know. You went to Wyoming and and weren't able to tag out during archery, so you went oh, back yeah. with a rifle. And uh, I I knew you were good with a rifle. And this before I I didn't know you super well. We knew each other. Uh, but the way you talked about how you went out and zeroed your rifle or whatever, I'm like, oh man, Dirk, no, he, he, he knows his shit when it comes to rifles. Okay, cool. You know, and, and you know, you got guys that have been around that. They know that stuff pretty, yeah. you can pick up on it pretty quick. Cool. If you guys are into shooting the copper bullets, man, I got a great deal for you. We have partnered with Barnes Bullets. They are world famous, known for that Vortex rifle, the deadliest, most accurate hunting loads on the planet. I like this company, guys, because I have a personal connection to these guys. On uh, Down in central Utah, uh, my dad's got this ranch, and uh, on the way to the ranch, you drive past this uh, Barnes Bullets factory, and it's, it's a really cool building just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So I know them well. These all-copper bullets provide destructive power, double diameter expansion, maximum weight retention, and devastating energy transfer, all with excellent accuracy. It's a great choice for Western big game, game hunters and shooters everywhere. So check them out at BarnesBullets.com and let me know what you guys think. I appreciate it. You've heard my Silencer Central ads, I'm sure. And I don't know if you have reached out and contacted them yet. If you're interested in a silencer, though, man, this is the way to go. Silencer Central from the start to finish, This because it's quite the process. If you've never gotten a suppressor for one of your rifles, you've got to go through and do the ATF paperwork and the background checks and all that kind of stuff. But the cool part is, is Silencer Central takes care of it all. It's a several-month process. And so what's cool about it is if you don't want to drop all that money right at the top, uh, end of this whole process, you just get a hold of them and you can do like a payment plan while they're taking care of all the paperwork on the back end. I have the Banish 30 uh, and this thing is awesome. I've never used one of these before, so I'm like learning as as I go along. But what I, what I was getting at is from start to finish, Silencer Central has been some of the most amazing people I've ever worked with through the process. They treated me like I was family and I really appreciated it. You guys should check them out and you can call them at 866-891-4494 or check it out at silencercentral.com. It will be worth your time, I promise.
Oh, man, you're going to like this one. You know why you're going to like it? How come? Bob T756, one of my favorite humans. Oh, Bob Twilliger. He's yes, my sir. I want Mr. Twilliger. When I grow up, I want to be like Bob. <laughs> no, me too. Man. I just had him on the podcast tonight. I did a podcast. Oh, you did? Just right before I got on with you. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah oh, so you're just podcasting it, like crazy tonight. Dude, man, I got to do two, I got to do two a month. So yeah, it's got to, got to get her done. It's got to be rough. Two a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Jim. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, actually, uh, I, I, I want to mention one thing. I noticed you put one out today with Justin Webb. My buddy yeah. over at F4WM, I, yep. I can't wait to listen to that one. Justin is a wealth of information, man. Yeah, he's, yeah, I've been, I've had him on my list for like six months to to get him on the show. Yeah. And then just so happens, I got him on just about the time, well, like the same, like a day or two after they released Wolves in Colorado. So it's a hot button topic right now, yeah. Wolves, Wolf Management, and um, it was perfect timing. So perfect. it's a great, that guy. That guy, he knows more. He's forgotten more about wolves than I'll ever learn. Um, oh, I so, know. Yeah. Great, great listen. So he actually, he told one of the best stories ever on the podcast about when he was a kid, they, they lived like off grid up on the pack river, you know, uh, wow. and, and they, they lived in this cabin. They'd have to go down to the river and haul water up to the cabin and all the stuff. And he, he was telling this story about didn't matter what time of year it was. When it was bath time, his dad would drag him and the kids all down to the river, dunk them in the water, <laughs> wash them up, and dunk them back down. And and like it's just a, it's an amazing story. So yeah, uh, he's yeah. the real deal. Yeah, he really is. He 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 just he didn't live very far from me here. So so back back to Bob Terwilliger here, uh, guys. If you're not following Bob, by the way, Bob Terwilliger, his Instagram handle is at Bob T seven five six. Super interesting guy. Uh, great dude. He's uh, he is in better shape than most people that are in their twenties are. And what what is he? Sixties, maybe seventies? Sixty, early sixties. I can't remember. Early sixties. Yeah, he's like yeah. sixty one, sixty two. Um, okay, yeah, he's yeah. An animal. He's an animal. He's a freaking animal, man. And he's a heck of a fly fisherman. And I always like that. So he says, hunters that don't know how to dig a darn hole and bury it when or bury it when these. Oh wait, but then these are the same clowns that leave trash or a campfire smoldering. So there's there's a lot in that uh, statement. Obviously, when you got to do your business, just leaving it out uh, is what he's referring to. And then, um, you know, talking about leaving trash. There's a lot of comments in here about leaving trash on the mountain. Uh, and that that again, I think that that's one of those blurry ones that can be ethics or etiquette. Uh, certainly etiquette on the etiquette side because it is bad manners. Nobody wants to see that. The wildlife yeah. doesn't want to see that. Take an extra two seconds and bury that stuff. It's not that hard. Um, it's gross. It, it's gross. And and then leaving uh, leaving the trash out. And sometimes I I always wonder, Dirk. Like, have you ever been out on on like you're you're out on a mountain? You feel like you're the first human being that has ever been there. And obviously you're not, but right. you feel like you are, right? You're just that far from the truck. You're in that, like, you're the only one crazy enough to go to that mm -hmm. particular part of this mountain or whatever. And then all of a sudden you kind of sit down and look down and there's like this 1970s sardine can <laughs> and like an old Budweiser. And it's like, yeah. who in the hell back in the day packed all this up the mountain right here? And it's been sitting here ever since. I always wonder maybe they they buried it back then, 
because uh, you know, know. But let's face it, the mentality back then may have been a little different. I don't know. Uh, and then every year resurfaced. Every year, I find like vintage like beer yeah. cans in the weirdest backcountry places. Like, man, nobody's ever been here. And <laughs> yeah, in no time at all. After I think that, it's like here's well, here's an Oli Oli beer can, you know, the pull tab kind, you know, that's yeah. you know thirty years, forty, fifty years old, however old, you know, that's been sitting there forever. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think it was definitely a different mentality back then. Um, nobody did practice pack it in, pack it out. They're just like, eh, you know. Well, not part of it. I, I don't think fine. the information was available that said, hey, a a aluminum can takes this many hundred years to break down and you know right. they didn't they were have kind of new for, at that point they, they were new at that point i i found like a vintage pepsi can one time uh and it, it hadn't even been open but like just over the years the sides had kind of uh, you know busted out and nothing was left in it but i took a picture of it um and then i packed it out and i looked it up on, on the internet and it was like from 1950 something uh wow so it, I still have it. It's in my storage unit somewhere in a Ziploc bag. Huh, <laughs> I, I'm a nerd neat. when it comes to stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, trash, trash. What what do you see most of trash wise out there on the mountain? Um, man, I see it all like wrappers from people eating their granola bar. Um, you see, you see a lot of beer cans, um, stuff like that. Um, I'm always blown away, dude. I have never, if I'm going on a long hunt, I have never packed a beer can, uh, it's like just no. yeah, I'm not, that is not weight you need, folks. No. And I, I mean you're it might be light to a guy beer. who likes beer. <laughs> yeah, and it might be light beer and freaking near water, but um <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna drink water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Water, uh water a little safer. I just uh, again I don't I love beer, but I don't love beer enough to pack it three miles up a freaking nasty yeah. alder you know, drainage. Yeah. Yeah, and then people not taking care of their poo. I mean um, I was hunting yeah. with Gian- Giannis Patelis here in Montana uh, three years ago or so, and um, we we found a place where somebody had had done it without covering up. He called him a surface shitter. Um, yeah, over there <laughs> That's on the a surface, great way to put where it, the, where the surface shitter was, and he was he was pissed. He's just like, yeah, how did he calls it flipping a rock? And, you know, he's going to go use the restroom. I'm going to go flip a rock somewhere, and you know, just grab a rock. Cover it up, you know, yeah. grab some bark, whatever, dig a hole. You, you don't need to leave it out for everybody to look at and see. And it's unsanitary, you know, you get flies over here. Who knows? Maybe you're 20, 30 yards away. Don't even know it's there. And you're eating your sandwich and one of them damn right. flies come and land on your food. I mean, that's gross, guys. Yeah, it is gross. Um, whoever does that, they, they need to clean it up. They it's need to get their act together. It's really easy to just bury that. And, and like, um, yeah, yeah. That there's a lot of comments. Like the last Wyoming guy, uh, he was on the show once. Uh, finding toilet paper and worse, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's it's yeah. so easy to to just avoid that. Um, I had a point I was going to make there, and now I totally forgot trying to read these other ones. Okay, so archery dot forty three, which is Michael Bozarth, a uh, friend of mine. There, I haven't had a lot of issues in the field. Most folks I encounter are pretty respectful. You know, let me just interject, Mike. You are freaking way too nice, dude. Like, of course you say that. That, that, that he's just got that that overly nice personality. Uh, you know, and and I know he's. I, I'm sure that there has been some situations where somebody's pissed him off, but uh, he still is just super overly nice and respectful. My issues are the keyboard warriors and Facebook biologists trying to blame fish and game for everything, and folks hunting animals they don't consider proper. 
and dividing us like the anti-hunters want. Did that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I see what yeah, he's saying. Ba- yeah, basically, you know, you know, everybody getting wound up on social media, getting pissed off and fighting yeah. with each other and not not being respectful and you know, blaming everything on the fishing game and whatever. I mean, um I mean you you can find fault with just about anything. I mean, you can take any kind of a plan anywhere and, and you can just tear it apart if you'd like. Yeah. There's flaws in everything, whether it's um the way I like to sweep the garage or, or the way the fishing game manage elk. Um, yeah. You can find a problem with it. And, and, but like the keyboard warrior thing, like, yeah, you know, people just have to kind of give that a rest a little bit. That's not a place to sit here and get in a fight. Like, yeah. If, if it's not something you would say right in front of somebody with the risk of getting punched in the nose, you probably shouldn't say it. Yep. I agree. I agree. And, and I, I've said this a few times lately because, you know, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to change gears here and go down that, but, um, I'm in a lot of different groups on, on Facebook because mm-hmm. Facebook has those groups, right? right? And so there's like musician groups, there's, you know, these groups that are for drummers and, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm in like business groups and, and a couple of the, just different types of groups. And, it's not that 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 uh, hostility doesn't exist in those groups, but it is way less. It, the The hostility level amongst hunting groups is way higher, like like a lot higher, Dirk, than these yeah. other groups. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and, and there's like people just expect it. You know, they they just expect to be an asshole or something like like right. it's supposed to be a thing. And um, I don't know. It's so that is so. There's so many things we could be arguing. Like I love a good debate, man. Uh, right. but there's so much more we can be arguing about than, than 99.99% of the stuff that you see in hunting groups and, and about how hunt somebody else hunts. So I agree with you, Mike. Um, uh, let me say his handle again, there archery dot 43. He's got like two of them. So I forget which one he used there. All right. This is a good one. Backcountry underscore prowler messing with a dude's trail cam. Uh, leave them alone, fellas. It's not going to help anyone get an animal killed. Yeah, I hate that too. Uh, I, 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 there's, I have been pretty lucky. I've never actually had a trail cam stolen. Um, I had a guy, this was like five, six years ago. He came and looked at it and it like he left and he was gone for like 15 minutes and then he came back and mooned my trail camera. And that was, that was pretty fantastic. And and I like, if I knew who did that, I would send him a Western husband t-shirt because that was awesome. It's like this dude, he shows up, he's looking at my trail camera, he leaves. And it's like, he was thinking about it. You know, he's like, God damn it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to move that thing. A real wiseacre, huh? Yeah. That's awesome. My brother-in-law Randy did that one time. We were in the summertime on a camping trip, him and I and a bunch of buddies and there was this uh, salt lick right next to this camping area and somebody had a trail camp sitting on it. And uh, he's like, Hey, uh, any of you guys have a camera? One of my buddies is like, yeah, I got the camera. He's like, I'm going to go check the card on that thing and see if there's anything on that, that card. So he goes up there and pulls the card and goes through it. But he's gone forever. He's, he doesn't come back for like 30 minutes. <laughs> and it's like, you know, 200 yards away from camp. Finally, he comes back. I'm like, what the heck happened? He's like, hey, do you know how hard it is to take a picture of your butthole by yourself with a camera? Well, 
he took a really up close. I'm sorry. This is probably inappropriate for the podcast. But he took a <laughs> I up mark super, them all explicit. We're good. <laughs> he, t- <laughs> uh, yeah. he took, he put the, got the camera. It must've been a macro style camera. Cause he got up super close <laughs> and took this picture. And he said, he's like, somebody's going to see that and be like, what the hell is that? I think Bigfoot got up there and blinked its eye right when the camera went on. <laughs> uh that's been 10 years ago and to, we still laugh about that to this day. like man i i would just and i'm like i'll bet you because i'll <laughs> back to facebook there's always these groups and people post pictures they're they're trail uh, cam pictures what do you think this thing is i know and, I, and I know, i've been waiting I was for thinking. that that thing to surface on facebook <laughs> a little little alien eye yeah man oh man uh, yeah that, that's but, killing me yeah, I've been really, I've run a lot of trail cameras and uh-huh. I've had a, I've, there was this one particular one. I had a few different people, like four or five different hunters on it. One of them was set up on, on picture mode facing one direction. And I have it on this other trail facing this other way. Like they're really close to each other. The other one on video mode. And, um, like, Let's see. There must have been five or six people walk by, and only one set of hunters seen it. They looked at it and they waved real big and kept walking, mm-hmm. which I thought, oh, that's cool, man. Thank you for not stealing it yeah. or you know messing with it. Um, but nobody messed with my cameras so far, except I I had four cameras last year get destroyed by freaking black bears. Oh and yeah, they, man, the black bears will do it every time. And I wasn't targeting black bears. Yeah, and these cameras had been sitting a long time. Like they didn't have like fresh like my hand sent on them. They've been sitting there for a couple months. Yeah. And freaking bear. I don't know how, what, if the bear sees the blink of the, like the, the trigger blink on the, yep. the camera or what, but they, you, you'll get a picture of them like at 20 yards away and they're not even looking at the camera. The next one, all you see are ears. Yeah. And then yeah, the I got a picture, bunch of them. It's faced the opposite direction, but I had, I've had four, I had four of different in four different places get chomped by bears you know what i found it's what's interesting with the black bears man is like if i have a if i have a kid which i always do when i have a camera on the bait site when i'm hunting spring bear they'll come and sniff around and i'll get a picture of an like up close nostril kind of thing but they don't really mess with it it's the ones i set out for like elk and, and deer yeah um that i set uh like higher in the tree you know angled down or whatever for some reason, they're like super curious about those higher set ones because the, the bear bait ones, I have them kind of, I, I set them a little bit lower. Yeah. Uh, still, I don't want, I, I want them to have to work for it if they do want to mess with it. But yeah, it's funny, man. They like, they never really mess with my ones at the bait site, but they, they are, they play, they wreak havoc on my other ones. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah. But it's, but, it's unexcusable to mess with somebody's camera, especially steal them, steal the yeah. cards, destroy them. That's just inexcusable. I mean, that. Uh, game cameras are they're expensive enough that where if I have to buy one, I don't want to have some jerk come and ruin it or steal it. Yeah. But they're not so expensive that everybody can't just go buy one or two or whatever they think they need. You know, it's people spend more on mochas a month than they would spend on high quality game cameras. So oh, absolutely. it's inexcusable to steal one or break one, damage one. So theft is theft, uh, regardless. Yeah. Of, and I just, I, I, again i i go back to i always i always try to consider like what the mentality is there and it blows me away that that people mess with them because i like i think it's a good opportunity to have some fun with a fellow hunter and i'll always i'll always uh 
jump in front of it and do a thumbs up or, or do the moose antlers or, you know, yeah. just pull a face or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to moon in any of them because, and I have thought about it, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, well, I'm not that proud of my, I'm not that proud of my butt. So. I'm not either, man. And, and I, I don't want people to know that. Look, look, yeah. look who that is out there mooning oh. my trail camera. What a it jerk. It's like JLo when he pulls his pants. Down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not look like JLo. <laughs> oh man. JLo of all people. Good hell. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, sorry guys, I'm just I'm using your Instagram. I don't know what your names are, so it says Backcountry Prowler. Some of them, some yeah, like oh, this I know him. One. I know that guy. Oh, you do? You know him? That's Reese, Reese Merton from uh, Post Falls, I think. Oh, Reese, is that him? Let me yeah, click yeah, on that's that. Reese. Hold yeah. on, let me see here. Backcountry Prowler. Oh yeah, Reese Mertens. Yeah. Oh okay, I I know Reese as well. We uh we hung out at the banquet last winter yeah, together. He's a cool guy. I think he was there when I won that uh, that rifle for the veteran draw. Oh. Let's see. Okay. So going back. How are you on time, man? You okay? I'm good. Yeah, we can roll as long as you want, bro. Uh, I won't keep you too late here. Far West Outdoors. People who think because... Oh, by the way, Reese got a pretty decent bull. Did you see that? Reese Martins that yeah, we were talking yeah. about. He got a nice bull. I think bull. that might have been his first with a bow, too. Like, was it? He's been working his ass off for yeah. quite a while, and he got one. So Heck yeah, cool. man. I was super proud of that one. Um, He did a good job. All right. People who think that because they are at a gate, they get those 1,000 acres and 50 roads to themselves... You don't see them at all while hunting because you can see their boot tracks in the snow. So you peel off at the first road and get back to your rig later to a note saying this is their area and to stay out or else. Maybe the guy who only goes in 300 yards sets up a blind on the road and expects everyone else to stay out of a thousand acres because he has a blind there. It's public land, people. And as long as someone ain't intentionally messing up your hunt, Stop, talk to each other, and make a plan. Uh, okay, we, we get the gist of it, so you don't screw it up for each other. Yep, uh, a lot of good points in there. Um, I w- The reason why I wanted to talk about this one is because I this is a very similar point as to what Ron Hewitt brought up, where it's like there's there's two ways to look at this, and we talked about this already, but there's two ways to look at it. Small, you know, your your average North Idaho drainage, if you're if you guys hunt North Idaho, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That's a one man kind of place. If there's a truck park there, you should leave it alone. If you're at some trailhead or some um, you know, like you mentioned, Colorado, or like some of these big, bigger parking areas in like Wyoming, I've seen them and in Utah, um, where you are talking about access to uh, like thousand acres is nothing. I'm talking the 30, 40, 50, 60,000 acres. Yeah. And, and there's only one access point. You're exactly right. Not one person is going to be able to go hunt that whole thing. They'd, they'd have to spend three weeks in there to hunt that whole thing out. And so, and, and Ron Hewitt was kind of speaking to this where it's like there, you have to use some common sense as to what is stepping on somebody's toes. If they beat you to the spot, Versus what is not stepping on their toes, uh, where it's like this trailhead with multiple trail systems, multiple ridge systems, uh, several drainages, maybe feeding into one major canyon or whatever. Um, just access to to that kind of land. Uh, people need to stop getting defensive uh, the, on on when you're when you're choosing to hunt 
a single access point that has that much access to massive amounts of land, you can't be selfish with that because there's only so much land. What what do you say? I say it's kind of a loaded question. You can go either way just on it. Just like you said, you know, if, if you're, if you're looking at a, you know, you're parked at a gated road and you're going to walk in there and the thing dead ends at a mile. Um, yeah. Yeah. You should probably just leave it alone. Go, go find another yeah, place. If it's a dead end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, if there's, you know, thousands of acres behind it, yeah, that's fine. Well, you can walk behind that gate, um, where in my opinion, it's, it gets a little tricky and it's very frustrating. And we see this a lot in the area where I grew up in the Clearwater region of Idaho, um, because there's tons of gated roads, you know, you got a lot of potlatch land. Um, it's a lot of state land that's gated. So let's say you park, park there, you walk in, you're going to hunt for the day. And then you have 87 side-by-sides and four-wheelers drive behind the gate. Um, and let's say you walked in two hours before first light, you're sitting there waiting for the elk or deer to walk out and you have 87 four-wheelers and side-by-sides drive by and scare everything away. Yeah. That's where I think people get super, super pissed off about parking at gates and, and giving people space. I don't think anybody's going to have uh, a big, a big issue with you. If you guys can, can, can work it out, like walk if you're walking in. Right. But on the flip side, I, I can see two, like, let's say the, the guys with the, the four wheelers are like, well, we don't want to hunt where you're at. We don't trying to get up here, you know, another 87 miles or away from where you're going to hunt. But then I almost think, well, maybe you should have got there a little earlier. Um, mm-hmm. People who get the trailhead, get the gate first, and they're going to walk in and you come up there and you're going to want to ride your, your four wheeler or side by side in there. And somebody's already there and they walked. I I personally wouldn't do it. I wouldn't go behind the gate. I would just yeah. be like, well, shit, I should have got here earlier. Well, that's on me. Um, I'm going to go somewhere else because the thing of it is, if you're hunting an area that's got a gate like that, chances are you're going to drive up the road a mile and there's going to be another gate and you can just go behind that one. Because usually those areas with all the gates, it's, it's roaded country. You're not like, well, that's the one and only road in the whole wide world to get to somewhere. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, so there, it's, there, it's kind of tricky. That And, and you're, you're exactly right. It's a super complicated. There's a lot of layers to it because like also in Idaho, there's some of those uh, roads that are gated that also have like a, what is like a 54 inch rule, something 50, like that. 50, 50 inches 50? Or, or less. Yeah. And yeah. so. I think that sometimes um, hunters mistake, they'll get up to some of those. Cause I, I remember I, I talked, I, I was talking to this guy uh, and I knew exactly where he was talking about. We were, we were hunting. I, I knew the guy and we both kind of knew this area for um, what we were going after. And uh, he was telling me about, Oh, well, you know, I started walking up this road and this four wheeler shows up behind me. And, and he's like, I don't know why people break the law like that. The gate was shut. Well, that's that's true, but it, there there's on some of those gates, and and it's easy to figure out which ones are like that because they'll usually have a little sign posted, you know, uh, vehicles, motor vehicles authorized fifty inches wide or less or whatever, uh, and so you get like those that old school razor. Remember the first razors that came out? Yeah, I've out? got one. That's it's oh, 50 you do? inches. Yeah, so fifty I, inches. I, so those I can go, go behind them. those gates. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, you can you, they they can go around those gates and they are not breaking the law, but I think that a lot of people they get 
they they think that they are because maybe they just saw the the closed gate um and then and you have on- other circumstances where it's close to all motor vehicles and there are dickheads that ignore that rule and right. and go around and and they ruin it that's what shuts down the force for all of us you know that's that's the kind of stuff that reduces access for all of us Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of depends on the owner, land ownership, and the in the area too. You know, yeah. certain landowners, you know, pot, Potlatch Deltic, they've they've changed their their um, road use policy. Um, they're they've made a whole bunch of stuff non motorized. They made a whole bunch of stuff fifty inches or less, um, and they've kind of kept some of the main arterials open, but a lot of the little side roads and stuff, um, I guess they're closing down, which. In my mind is good. Um, I don't like to ride a four wheeler. I don't like to ride a side by side to hunt out of. I like to go hunt. I like to walk, walk yep. in, go sit. I don't like to see those things ripping around everywhere. Um, so, so I avoid those kind of places. Um, and people will say, you know, there's, there's back. If you want to, if you want a hot topic on Facebook, you just talk about this stuff because people oh, man. get super yeah. heated on both sides. Um, and I'll say you'll probably see way more deer in a day on a, you know, on a four wheeler or side by side. some people that the walk that say, Oh, you guys aren't going to see nothing. You'll see, you'll see 20 times more deer on a, you know, on a four wheeler or a side by side than you will walk. And we just, cause you can yeah. cover, you can get on the, behind those gates and you can ride all day if you want. Um, there's guys, they've got coolers and CBs and oh man, boxes yeah. full of their lunch and Traeger barbecuers and yeah. you name it. Um, they, they, they set their ass on their four wheeler at daylight and they don't get off till, till dark. Right. Um, mm-hmm. that's their mode of operation and those guys get their deer. Um, yeah. so there's, there's that, there's that challenge of, Excuse me. of getting those two, two types of people to to mesh. And I think, I think Paul Atch is trying to do that by, by having areas where you can access with a four wheeler or a side by side and having other places that are just non-motorized. And this has been like a, this is like three years deep into this. And there's still a lot of people breaking those rules right now. And they haven't really put any teeth into it yet, but I feel like at some point, because it's not just potlatch, they've done a collaboration with the state of Idaho and the fishing game and the forest service, they're all, they're all working together to, to, to close down a lot of these gated roads and just to, to motorize traffic, which I'm all about. Um, personally, you know, and that's probably unpopular for, for people that, um, the, who love to hunt from their, their ATV. But I just look at quality, the quality of the hunt, you know, you could go out there have a little more quiet time, less, less four wheelers side by side beating around. There's that aspect. Um, but I feel like the quality of the animals are going to go up as well because you're not going to be able to reach a lot of the places without uh, taking a lot of effort walking. And yeah. as time goes by, animals will survive and you'll get more animals, you get bigger animals and your age class will grow. Your population will grow. And I think there's some of these places I've always said in this one particular area, they've got closed down. I've, I always figured if, if they would close that off to where, you know, you had to walk into most of it from the top of the the hill down into this huge, um, into this huge river drainage, you would have some giant bulls and giant bucks just because the genetics are there. Um, yeah. The winters aren't that bad. Um, it's just over harvest and wolves that are, they're, they're beating it up right now. So, um, 
you take away the the over harvest pretty soon you got some really big bulls and bucks there and i think everybody can enjoy those but it does eliminate a certain amount of people maybe who the folks who can't walk maybe they're disabled um they're handicapped they can't walk you know that maybe they have a permit that's um i have a good friend his uncle that's his only mode of getting around avid hunter his whole life um got a disease i'm not sure forgive me i don't know what the disease is but he can't walk anymore and that's his only way to get out and enjoy hunting by god i'd hate to see anybody have hunting taken away from like that taken away from them too so you know yeah and it's, it's a hard you can't make everybody happy. And you can't. well, and I was, I, I knew that that was going to go to that when when you talked about you know reducing or eliminating some of the ATV side by side kind of access roads and, and limiting that because I I agree with what you said. I I think the the age class and the populations would do much better. Um, but but there are those, and somebody's always going to say this. Well, what about me? Uh, I'm a a veteran who, you know, can't walk or I've got this disease or I've got this disability. There's got to be a way to like satisfy both. Like I, I have no problem with if somebody's got a disability, um, there's got to be like a, a, you know, what do they call those? A waiver, you know, they can get to right. be able to access those kind of areas, yeah. you know, with some kind of motorized vehicle. I, I don't have a problem with that, right. um, you know, it, but it is, you know, sometimes the the systems do the the trail systems, the road systems. Sometimes they do get a little bit overrun with, you know, in my opinion, the the ATVs and the side by sides, and people kind of use them a little bit uh, too much as a crutch. Uh, maybe maybe a little too much dependency on, uh, and I think it ruins their expectations too. They think that they're they're going to be because you always hear that story, you know, where, Hey, I was, you know, cruising down the road and this 350 class bull was standing on the side of the road and I got it. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, yeah. that's never happened to me. Um, I, I wish it would, but it's just not the reality for, for most people. And so I think a lot of people are kind of hunting on that false hope. Um, but that's just not going to, I don't know, man, I never see bulls from, from the road. Uh, I mean, like shootable. Uh, and I don't care if it's rifle or archery. One time archery hunting, I saw this giant freaking monster of a bull that was like 500 yards up this hill that, uh, I even jumped out of my truck and bugled at him. And he turned and looked at me like I was a jackass because I was, and he just turned around and like disappeared into the, into the woods, never saw him again. But, um, well, anyway, and I, I want to, I don't want to come across as I'm not anti four wheeler ATV side by side i'm not anti against oh, me neither. Yeah. i think they all have their place um and i hate to see people lose kind of access to any of that kind of stuff but i feel like there has to be a line drawn in the sand at some point to where um you know we all can't just <laughs> ride there, there's some there's got to be some places that are still kept sacred right yeah maybe yeah exactly maybe we should have that's to be what able it to is walk into some of those places um and and a lot of the and, and these days, there's so many new clear cuts. In the last five, 10 years, there's so many new clear cuts. And I'm not against logging. Exactly. There's so many, so many new clear cuts, so many new roads. And I'd just like to say, you know, if people that are mad that those are getting shut down, be like, well, what'd you do before there was a road there? You couldn't even access it. Like you would have had to walk for miles through the nastiest timber and brush Idaho has mm-hmm. to offer to even get there. At least now there's a road. You could walk it. Yeah. Um, so it's not like you just lost something that you hunted your whole life in. A lot of these clear cuts and stuff, they they weren't there ten years ago. Yeah, five exactly. Years ago. Exactly. So 
I, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes the greater good isn't always um, painless, but sometimes the greater good, you know, we all sacrifice a little bit and the greater good, it comes back around um, where you'll see those places where everybody can't ride their ATVs into those things will, you know, build their herds back better. And then guess what? Animals don't stay in those places forever. They start mm-hmm. moving out. They start start spreading pretty soon. It's a trickle effect. Pretty soon, you're going to have more game closer to the access than before. So, uh, yeah, totally. That's just totally. I just and and like scenario wise, yeah. I don't I don't want anybody to like be under the impression that we're you know picking on ATV. I have a four wheeler. You know, yeah. I I don't I don't really use it much for um for hunting so much. But I, I, I suppose I could. Hold on. I got to turn. Like, it's the weirdest thing, man. My microphone all of a sudden gets really loud right in the middle Hot of mic. recording. Hot yeah. I, I don't know if you notice that. I, I don't know if it, if it even showed up on your end. But all of a sudden, in my headphones, my voice is, like, overpowering. Anyway, um, you know, back to Ron Hewitt. Uh, and, and Ron is somebody that Dirk and I both know. Um, I think you've hunted. You've hunted with him, haven't you? Yeah, I've gone turkey hunting with him the last two or three springs. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I met Ron at the um, Portland Sportsman Show. Um, Ron's uh, probably 72, 73. And so he was probably 70 the first time I met him. And he comes up and we talked. And, and he, did, he had messaged me um, years before on this uh, hunting forum called Bowsight back when Facebook mm-hmm. wasn't really a big deal, but forums were hot yep. to trot, you know, and he messaged yep. me on there and said, said something about an area that I, where I used by where I used to grow up, where I grew up and where he used to hunt as a young man. And anyway, he come up to me, looked me up at the show and, and was, we were talking about the good old days, you know, up and up in this, this place where he used to hunt and he told me all sorts of cool hunting stories. And he's like, he's like a cool grandpa, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I feel, and I, I miss having a cool grandpa or, uh, or a dad around cause my dad's passed away and I never do, knew my one grandfather and my other one I did for a brief time when I was, when I was a kid. But, um, so yeah. I'm, I'm always kind of starved for that kind of interaction with, with, uh, with grandpa types or just old dudes in general. I just, I got a real soft spot for him. So I just, I love um, interacting and hanging out with Ron and, and anyway, met Ron there and then fast forward to that fall and he, and he's like, yeah, I hunt this certain area in Idaho. And you know, these days uh, with my friends and, and uh, I said, yeah, well, good luck. Who knows? Maybe I'll run into you one day. Well, cameraman Dusty and I, we were elk hunting and we just got done chasing bulls and we got back to the truck. We were kind of beat down and soaking wet. And I hear a vehicle coming and I'm like, dusty, we got to hide. <laughs> so I don't, I don't usually like to talk to people in the woods. Um, so I, we kind of like, he kind of, we didn't have time to like bail off the road. We just kind of stood behind my pickup. Mm-hmm. So he, he can see our feet. Right. And he pulls up and stops. He's like, I can see your feet back there. You might as well come out and talk. So, <laughs> so I, I come out and he's like, Oh, it's you Dirk. Oh man. <laughs> he didn't know it was me before that. So he's like, ha, ah, I found your hunting spot. I'm like, I found your hunting spot. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Um, that's funny. 
since then we you know we've 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 kept in touch a lot i just talked to him yesterday and but uh yeah great guy um he's he's got some issues with his foot and his and his leg and his knee and his shoulders and stuff and he has a hard time getting around in the woods and he's like hey man come over and go turkey hunt i want to take you turkey hunt he's like i don't turkey hunt like most people i hunt them like i do elk i'm like okay i'm like how hard could it be this older fella you know he's gonna listen to this and make and get mad at me because i call him old but <laughs> he, he uh he has keep to that in mind ron it's not me saying you're old he has to use uh, <laughs> trekking poles to get around the woods, um, keep him falling down and stuff. Yeah. And that old man walked my ass around. We put, we covered over 10 miles the first day, turkey hunting. Really? And it wasn't like flat ground. We dove off this steep canyon, went down, crossed the creek, climbed up the other side, made a huge loop, came around. We covered over 10 miles that first day. He, he it kicked my ass. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm still questioning why you, I, I'd, I'd have a tough time justifying 10 miles for a turkey. <laughs> well, I didn't want to look like a pussy. So yeah, that's I'm true. Like, that... I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> let's go. And uh, anyway, um, the guy has got to drive. And I think he, I think he lives every day. Like it's his last, you know, which yeah. I think everybody should. Um, but um, I enjoy going over and turkey hunting with him and, and having that old guy time rub off on me and listen to these stories. And, you know, it's just, and like I kind of alluded to before it, when we first started the podcast, you know, there's not an, I think there's not enough people with grandpa or dad out yeah. there telling them, you know, mentoring stuff. And, you know, those kind of folks, grandpas and dads and Ron, Ron, even, you know, they're going to be a straight shooter and maybe tell you something you may not want to hear. Yeah. They're not going to pull any punches and they're going to talk to you and like they, they can see through your bullshit maybe. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be a straight shooter and they're going to teach, they're going to try to teach you the right way. And I just don't think there's enough of that these days. I agree. Couldn't agree more. I think that that's, that's part of the, uh, you know, the, you know, back in the day, it, it, it didn't, I I don't mean to sound like an old man myself, but, but, but there was a time when it was like, you were actually interested in in what that older older the older folks had to say because the, the wisdom in their voice just spoke to you and mm-hmm. and I feel like that sometimes it, it is not the case with everybody because I, I I'm not gonna like just generalize an entire generation like that but there it does seem like there's less folks that are interested uh, that are younger um, that are interested in hearing what the old old timers have to say and it's like to their detriment too because you don't know what you're missing. You don't know if you, if you're one of those people that don't, uh, you don't know what you're missing from these guys. Um, I, I, you know, I would love to go turkey hunting with somebody that had that kind of experience. It's funny. You say that too, Ron, he hunts a lot in the neck of the woods that I hunt elk in. And, you know, I posted a picture one time on uh, like Instagram or Facebook or something. And man, he knew exactly where that was at. And and I'm, I'm like, man, there are locals up here that don't know that mountain that oh, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't be able to identify that and but he he nailed it like down to like within you know not even a mile <laughs> he knew right where i was at and so but he he brought up a good point as to you know without without he, he wrote a really long paragraph and i don't want to i don't want to read the whole paragraph but uh he's talking about he's pulled up to a spot right and we're talking about one of these drainages that you're going into and it's dark still and they're having like a cup of coffee um, sorry, my, my chair feels like it's scooting back. Well, they're, they're having like a cup of coffee, uh, 
waiting, waiting maybe a little later to, before they hit the mountain and whatnot. And then a truck pulls up behind them and these guys immediately get out and start grabbing their gear and gearing up. And Ron gets out and tells them, you know, Hey, we're going up this way. And essentially, uh, those guys were, you know, basically saying that, well, they're already geared up and they're going up there too. Um, and it, it got, it sounds like it got a little heated, a little escalated, you know, um, what is your suggestion in a situation like that? Let's say Dirk is sitting there in that truck and, and somebody pulls up behind you. You haven't left the truck yet. Cause I'm kind of like that, man. Sometimes I love pulling up to where I'm going to go hike in and like, it's still really dark. And it's like, you know what? I, another cup of coffee wouldn't kill me if I just yeah. sat, you know what I mean? I love yeah, that. I like, I don't mind sitting there. It's kind of savor in the morning and, yeah. you know, you know, making sure, you know, going through my thoughts of the day and yeah. you know, drinking my coffee or whatever, uh, maybe eating a little, little something, something and, and thinking of going through your checklist in your head, like, okay, I got to get my, my boat. I got all this stuff. I'm going to yep. pack yep. it. It's everything in my pack. Put my okay. boots on, you know, all this yeah. stuff. And it's yeah. just kind of like know, this moment, just, you know? Yeah. You're just kind of getting ready for the day. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's super disrespectful when, when another cut, another hunter comes up and does that. Um, my take is they should have went, approached, um, Ron and them said, Hey, um, see you guys were here first. Um, what's going on, right? Which way are you going? Um, well, we're going to go up here. Okay, cool. Well, maybe we'll go over this other way. Cool. Have a great day. Yeah. But I, Ron's told Simple, me this right? story before he, he, and he, he got pretty worked up over telling me this story, but, um, yeah, I don't but, blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him. You know, it's, it, and it's just, it's kind of a bad look, you know, um, just have a discussion, which way are you guys going to go and go this way, go that. I don't want, I don't want to bump into them. They don't want to bump into me. We can make it work. Right. Or yeah. not. Yeah. Or not. But I had this, I had this thing happen to me this last fall. Parked at the trailhead. I was there two hours before first light. I had, I was up and at him. It was opening morning. I was I didn't sit in my car, truck drinking coffee. I was on the trailhead or on the trail. I was beating feet up the trail. Got up in there and I heard a car alarm go off. And I'm in the middle of freaking nowhere. I heard a car car alarm go off. I'm like, I don't think that's my truck because I don't think I'm close enough for my to set it off by accident with my my fob. And yeah, surely nobody is breaking into my truck out here. And I'm like, I don't think that's my truck. So I keep hiking. I was like, well, maybe somebody's down there messing around with going to come up here. Well, pretty soon I see a headlight or a headlamp. Headlamp. Yeah. And, the guy, and the guy catches me. And it's this guy that <clears throat> I met on that same trail the fall before when I'm packing, when I was packing out a bull elk. It's the mm. same guy. And he's like, oh, fancy meeting you here again. And I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> to, Oh, hey there. My first, <laughs> I didn't give him a, oh, hey there. <laughs> I was going to say that. That's a little too friendly from Dirk. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, uh, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> number one. Yeah. N- yeah. Number two, I, I was pissed. Like we're in an area, you have a, this, this old road goes for a hundred miles across the mountains in the most, some of the most remote country in Idaho. Yeah. And I was here and you think it's okay to walk up to the spot and this spot we're on. I mean, it's not a vast country. We're not, it's not leading into a vast wilderness. This has a trail that goes up into this one long Ridge and one person is going to hunt it out in a morning. So I take the high road. I wanted to kind of ball him out about it, but I was like, no, no, take the high road here, take the high road. So we start walking together. 
we walk along and it's a pretty steep climb. We take little breaks and kind of shoot the shit a little bit. And then we kind of get up there further and you're starting to see a little bit of a little light in the horizon. It's like, well, we're getting close to, you know, we're probably 30 minutes away from first light. He steps up his pace and jumps in front of me and starts hiking like the devil's on his ass. Seriously? Seriously. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. <clears throat> so I kept up with him. He's kind of a tall, lanky fella. You know, I had a few pounds on him. So yeah, I'm yeah. huffing and puffing pretty good. But there ain't no way I'm letting this guy out walk me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with him. So I stayed with him. And we hiked the rest of the way. And it was a, quite a way still. But <clears throat> we get in there. And immediately he's like, I'm going to go over here and listen for bugles. This is opening day at rifle season. I'm like, good. You go that way. I'll go this way. Good luck. Yeah. Like we've, we've, we've plotted our course. Good luck. So we separate and I'm gone probably 20 minutes from him and it's starting to get light enough to where I feel comfortable to bugle. I bugle, bam, immediately a bull answers. I'm like, Oh, what luck? Like I thought I wouldn't hear one. What time of year did you say this was? It's October 10th. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. October 10th opening rifle in Idaho. And I'm like, Oh, this is great. Like, well, I need to wait a little longer. I don't want to call this thing in because it's still kind of dark. Um, I'm pretty sure we're within, you know, shooting hours, but inside the dark timber, and I'm on the the side of the ridge that there's not a lot of light yet. The, the sun's not hitting yet. It's pretty dark. And I don't want a bull to sneak in and catch me. Yeah. Right? So I'm just waiting. I'm taking my time and it's starting to get a little lighter. I start, I bugle again, bull answers immediately. So I'm taking my time and I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm angling in the wind. I'm getting the wind right. And I'm working my way up, being very careful not to, to get caught by this yeah. bull. And he bugles a fourth time and he's like right there like 50 yards away. I'm just like, all right, this is great. I'm about ready to make this happen because I can hear brush popping and stuff. And then all of a sudden you hear thumpity, thumpity, thumpity. And then he goes, he barks. Oh, barks. No. And then thumpity, thumpity, thump. I'm like, crap. What happened? Did he see me? So I screamed and I run right up to there and the, the woods kind of opened up into a little opening. Uh-huh. And that guy was standing there. Are you serious? He followed yeah. you down. Yeah. He's like, man, I almost got him, but he busted. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I heard you guys bugle. He's like, I heard you. And I was like, well, that's got to be Dirk. And I heard the bull. He's like, I got to go over there and try to get that bull. That was his exact words. Like, So that was his mentality. Not, oh, man, bull, Dirk located the bull. And right. I'm just going to sit here and, and let it play out. And yeah. instead he's got to insert himself as if he's got some kind of entitlement to it. Yeah. He cut me off. He, uh, no, I could have like hot footed it right into that bull and beat him to it, but I'm trying to do it right. Try not to get caught by the bull. I, I want to kill this elk. Yeah. This guy hauls ass, gets in front of me, spooks the bull off and either one of us get it. Wow. At that point, of course I'm furiated and I'm, course i take the high road i'm just like oh this could be really 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 ugly so i just take the high road i was like yeah man you go that way i'm gonna hang around here for a while and anyway 
he, <laughs> we, and this will fan the flames a little more, you know, of, of debate, you know, um, he, he wasn't from Idaho. He was from another state, um, from Minnesota. And I've talked to other people. I've told my story to, and they're like, yeah, I've hunted Minnesota. That's kind of how they do it there. So you think, mm. well, maybe in places like that, where there's people, there's a large populace, there's a lot of people hunting all over each other. Maybe that's just the, that's the mode of operation. That's, it's a competition. That could be, man. That could, who, like, what kind of who, public land do they even have there? I don't know. I, I cause I don't know. Them, you know, I know the, they have some, but. By the Great Lakes in the Northern yeah. part of, I think there's, you know, I think it's Great Lake. I don't know. There's a, a big lake there. Um, anyway. Hmm. Looking, you know, trying to take the high road again. Maybe that's how they do it, where he's from. Then a few months go by and, you know, on Facebook messenger, um, if there's someone who's not your friend and not anybody in your circle, if they send you a message, it goes into like a place that has to be approved for your, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Past, right. Yeah. And I didn't see it. And there's a message sitting in there and it was from his hunting partner, one of his hunting partners back at camp. And he apologized for his friend. He's like, man, yeah, my friend told me what happened up there on the hill. And, and I told him that was not cool. And I tried to explain it to him. And he's like, it was just kind of lost on him. He's like, but huh. I told him it wasn't cool. And, and he's like, man, I wish you would have came by our camp. Cause I'd, the guy was like, oh yeah, you guys should, you should come by my camp and come and see us and stuff. And be, when we were walking in, you know, before he pulled his stuff. And, um, but after that, I was just like, there's no way I'm setting foot in that camp. Yeah. But then the rest of the, I don't know how you kept your cool with that. I I would have lost it, man. Yeah. I, Hey, as you get older, uh, you become wiser, right? I guess, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to, yeah, maybe that's it. I'm trying to be a, I'm trying to be a better person, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Years ago, that guy probably would have crawled out of there, (laughs) but (laughs) anyway, I wasn't very happy. Um, but you know, as the week goes, but I'm up there for the whole week. Every time I park and go somewhere to hunt, the next time I drive by that spot, those guys are parked. Their vehicle, that guy's vehicle is parked there. Interesting. So, um, they knew who I was. Um, not that I'm a big deal or anything, but they knew me that I'm a, uh, I'm a successful hunter. Um, and I don't know if they're like, oh, that Dirk hunts down there. We should go hunt there, or maybe you know, maybe that's a place they'd always hunted too. I don't know. I don't mm. know. I don't know these guys, right? But gave me a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, um, very frustrating hunt. So anyway, yeah. So I've never thought of it that way, man. I maybe maybe there's something to that with. Um, you know, you ever gone to Disneyland and like the, there's certain foreigners that are real pushy and, and you, you think that they're rude, but the reality is, is that's just how their culture is because of the nature of how, you know, they're set up in their country or whatever. Um, they have to be pushy with each other and and whatnot. And so I've never thought of that. And maybe, maybe there's something to that. And, and maybe in Minnesota, what is it about people in Minnesota always coming to Idaho? Like I never hear from, I never see people from like Michigan or, uh, South Carolina or Maine coming here. It's always like, there's always like they're, they're from Texas, Washington, or Minnesota. Like those are the, yeah. Wisconsin. Don't forget Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin too. Pennsylvania. Yes. A lot of Pennsylvanians, but, but for the most part, those folks love the mountains, man. 
Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I'm not, I'm not ragging on them. It's just interesting no. how there does seem to be this pattern of, um, thank you. There, there does seem to be this pattern of like certain states that you see a lot of non-residents from, and I, I mean, the, the, you always have your obvious ones, California, right? Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I, I think what, what I liked about like what Ron Hewitt was talking about. In fact, he probably is running into the same people from Minnesota that I'm talking to because, again, he he he's hunted in that neck of the woods that I, I you and I went kind of bear hunting up in yep. that general area. Um, in fact, in that exact spot, I called those Minnesotas in. Uh, oh. So interesting. So anyway, um, the uh, the question is is I, I want to get back to what you talked about. Like when I pull up and if I've got my heart set on a particular spot and let's face it you can you can always plan to have you know your plan a your plan b your plan c whatever i always do but it's still frustrating when you show up and somebody's in your plan a spot right Mm -hmm. yeah and they they beat me they they got here earlier i remember i pulled up one time and the the way that the road was it wasn't like right off the main dirt road you had to kind of go 50 60 yards up this little trail or whatever to park in order to even turn around and so I didn't have any choice but to pull right up to them. And I think these guys got super defensive and they, they get out of their truck. And so I, I shut my truck off and rolled my window down or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, Hey guys, you beat me here. So, um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to turn around and, um, go somewhere else. And they're like, Oh yeah, you know what? We appreciate that. You're the only guy that would do that. And, uh, and I'm like, no, I'm not the only guy that would do that. I'm, but I, I am somebody who is going to do that. Um, and it turns out it was this this guy with uh, his son that was like I don't know eleven or twelve or whatever, and you know I I just I always try to find a way. I had some people when when I was younger that were just over the top nice to me when it came to hunting. They helped me, you know, pack out a deer that I didn't they didn't know me, uh, or they showed me a place to go. They they had no reason to other than they were just really nice people, right? And this guy gets out and I could tell he's a pretty new hunter. Uh, didn't, didn't know much about elk and, and whatnot. And so I, I told him, you know, that you're, uh, I, I don't want to like, you got to keep this between us, but the spot you're sitting at here, there's a lot of good opportunity up there. So I, I think your head's on, right. You did your, you, you did the homework, right. You know? And, and then I, I told him, you know, um, if you guys get one down that he had a bunch of hats, like in the back of his window on his pickup truck on the, the on kind of the backrest of the seat there. And I said, if you get if you get one down, I'll come I'll come by here later if I haven't gotten one, and I'll I'll check. Uh, but get one down and get your first load down here and put a hat on the top of your antenna there, and I'll know you got an elk down, and I'll come help you pack out. And he just thought like it, he was blown away that somebody was that nice to him because his experience was the exact opposite with most of the people he encountered up there. And that's what we got to turn around. I think um, it's just a it's a huge huge issue. I think just etiquette in general, it, manners, whether we're on you know, the internet or if we're in the field, uh, respecting each other with, with the etiquette, the, the manners, the unspoken rules of courtesy, mm-hmm. I think would golden go a rule. long way. Golden rules. Golden stuff. rules. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I got one more. Yeah. Hit me. So man. I feel like I started seeing some of this etiquette going downhill a few years ago when people quit cutting windfalls out of the road big enough for anybody and everybody to get down the road clearly. 
the last five, 10 years, I've just seen it get worse and worse. People will cut windfalls out of the road, just barely, barely big enough to get their machine through, whether it's a <laughs> side-by-side, dirt bike, four-wheeler, Toyota pickup, whatever it is, they just cut it barely big enough. Yeah. And what, what, for, it, for some, uh, let me clarify something, dirt for, for folks that don't know what you're talking about, a windfall, you know, timber, a log or something across the road, somebody in Arizona might not get what you're saying, right. but uh, you know, like in North Idaho, it's common courtesy. You carry a chainsaw because we get a lot of timber that falls across the dirt roads and you just, you, you cut it out if you're the first one to find it. And it's a courtesy. Right. Carry on. Yeah. You, you clear it from the cut bank. You, you cut at the cut bank and then you cut it at the very edge of the road on the other side, and then you move the entire log. You cut it in a couple, you can cut it in three pieces most of the time, unless it's a giant log and, and clear it really easily. Um, but there's a trend the last five, 10 years to where people just cut it big enough to barely squeak their shit box yeah. through it. I and didn't it think anybody so else bad. noticed that. I, I have a meltdown yeah. because the problem is, and and I, my wife and I, she, <laughs> she, she's <laughs> so sick of listening to this because every summer when we go up, you know, to the mountains, then I start bitching about it. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it's people who have a shitty attitude and like, well, I'm only going to cut it big enough for my vehicle to get through that way maybe somebody else can't come through here right and that's what they get that's what some of it looks like and i almost feel like that's some of it and then uh, also i've kind of lost a little bit of faith in humankind too as an on intelligence that maybe some of these new people who are from different places who didn't grow up in the mountains and didn't have grandpa and dad to say, hey, dumbass, <laughs> cut the whole freaking log out of the road. Yeah. They didn't have somebody to tell them the right way to do it. And maybe they just don't, they don't even know. They're oblivious. They're just like, I don't, I don't know, man. They're like, that looks big enough. And they cut it and they're like, they barely squeak through. And it's like, oh, we made it. You know? Yeah. I don't know it's, if it's, it's 50, so hard. 50. It's like, un, it's hard to believe sometimes because I'm like, literally, sometimes you'll look at them and it's like they got out with a tape measure measured their the front of their truck the width of their truck and cut it to that exact length yeah and and like you know somebody with the chevy mirrors can fit through but maybe somebody with the ford ears can't make it through yeah. and somebody right. with a dodge isn't going to make it that far up the yeah. mountain anyway yeah. uh, you got a tacoma no, you'll squeak <laughs> you'll squeeze right through it but if you got a full size you're like oh i don't know and every every time i make a dodge joke man i'll get like five or six emails saying hey i drive a dodge <laughs> uh, yeah you say well i'm sorry no uh, sorry about but, that sorry about no. that bad luck yeah but anyhow i and i don't know like i feel like that's a reflection here's what i honestly think i feel like it's a reflection of society today nobody gives a fuck about their neighbor or anyone else. It's all yep. a me, me, me society. Everyone cares about themselves and they don't care about their neighbor. They don't care about karma. They don't care about the golden rule. They don't give a shit about doing things good for someone else just because you think, well, maybe somebody else will do the right thing for me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I, and I think that's what it is. That I, um, I think, I think you nailed it. That and a lack of mentors, like you were saying, a lack of, a lack of that grandpa saying, Hey, 
you know, this is great for your little pickup truck, but what if somebody comes through here with, uh, maybe they're hauling a big, uh, a wood truck, you know, or a wood trailer, those ones hauling that are pretty wide are hauling a camper. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I'm amazed that, like, I seriously thought I was the only one that noticed that, that it it's like the last five years, those, those timber, those log cuts, there are, they're way thinner and they're just lazy. Like they're not even pushing the cut timber off the road either. Oh yeah. They just, and they're leaving the, br- the, they're leaving the branches all over the, the road stobs and, and the yeah. branches. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. mess, man. Yeah. Now, you know what? That, and- I got to tell you a funny story, man, about that. Uh, you'll get a kick out of this. Cause I, I, I think we both have like the same kind of casual respect for these old timers, you know, up in these woods. Uh, mm-hmm. I I'm up, I'm going bear hunting this last spring and you know how in the spring, um, there's already a lot of fallen timber anyway and whatnot. And so, uh, you know, you get on some of these old logging roads up here in, in the North country and they're like, somebody will find a, they're up there cutting firewood and they'll just kind of park in the middle of the road. Uh, it's not a disrespect thing. It's just a, Hey, I'm going to park here while I cut up this log, whatever. Um, so I, I come around this corner, I'm heading, heading to my bait barrel and this is, this is at a time I, I don't go to the bait barrel until, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, because the, the bears were all hitting it from like three o'clock on. So right. it's not like it's early in the morning or anything. And this, this, this old pickup truck is stopped in the middle of the road. And I knew exactly what the, he was up there. He's got the wood rails. He's, he's cutting firewood, you know? And, uh, I, I, I turned my truck off. I'm a pretty patient guy. I did. I didn't want to rush him and he didn't know I was there because I could hear his chainsaw. And uh, I, I shut the truck off and sure enough, there goes the, the, this tree, it starts falling. And this guy, he's up there going as this thing goes, it comes down and it just crashes into the ground and he's up there just yipping and hollering. And I thought maybe he had a buddy or something with him, but he's (laughs) this old guy that just still gets that excited about knocking over a big tree. Oh, that's he, awesome. he, he's just up there screaming and, and just having a ball. And that tree barely <laughs> touches the road. And, and then he comes down. He's just super happy about this tree cut and sees me. And there's, oh, man, I'm sorry. I blocked the road. I hope you haven't been there long. And nope, you're good, man. You're totally fine. And it, it was just the funniest thing. This guy seriously was just enjoying the shit out of life up there cutting trees down. He had no idea somebody heard him uh, hooting and hollering, all excited yeah. that he just cut that big tree down. Anyway, it's total side note there, but I, I just appreciate things like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's out there just doing it for the love of it, you know, Yep, putting some wood in the old, the old wood box and, you know, enjoying <laughs> life. I mean, they don't get much better than that. And I think there's oh, a lot man. of people that, that don't get to enjoy that and don't get to, to experience that. And they would be better for it if they did. I just, I, I feel I, it was like a sigh of, or it was like this, something that was a relief about it because, you know, I get super pumped when I cut down a big tree, you know, yeah. I I'm, I'm like a kid, man. I, I, I cut down a big tree, especially when it falls exactly where I want it. Oh yeah. And, and it goes the right way and all the noise it makes and that thunder and crash and, you know, turning chainsaw, sometimes you're ducking branches. It's awesome. It's so much fun. And so to see this guy, I'm not kidding you, Dirk. He late seventies, early (laughs) eighties, maybe he's up there and just hooting and hollering at himself for cutting this tree down like that. And, and it just gave me like this hope that, you know, there's still, you could still be like a big kid when you're 78, 79, 80 years, whatever he was, 
yeah. uh, enjoying the same stuff he's been doing for decades. So yeah, yeah. it's it's the little things in life that yep, simple that really, things. Yep. Well, man, this has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. I want. I, I feel like uh, I feel like we covered a lot of good ground. Is there anything else you want to touch on in, in regards to this etiquette topic? Anything you feel like we missed? No, I I think I think we covered it pretty good. I just feel like you know, for the folks who listen, um, some some of them are like nodding their head, yes, yes, I get it, yep, a hundred percent. Some people are like, huh man, maybe they don't, they've never heard that or maybe never thought of that or something. But, um, you know, just for the listeners, you know, when you get out there this fall, um, sometimes just, sometimes it doesn't, doesn't hurt to pause and think about it for a minute. Like, would I be happy if somebody come, came along and intruded and ruined my hunt? Um, no, yeah, it, it is public land. You're right. It's, it's public land. We all have a right to be there. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, the juice ain't worth the squeeze, you yeah. know, um, you know, whatever I'm going to get out of going up there and there's, there's another person there. Um, that's not the experience I'm looking for. Right. You have to think that, you know, maybe, maybe you don't, maybe you don't want to mess with somebody's experience, their, their day, you know, let them have their day up there. I'll go over to another spot and have my day. Um, it, you just have to, I think, try to put yourself in other people's shoes sometimes. And, um, just, you know, golden rule, man. How would you like to have somebody do something to you? You know, you, you want them to do it right and, and be considerate. Uh, exactly. And I think, I think if, if we all kind of take a, a moment and pause, we can probably think of instances, um, in the near past that, you know, we've all probably guilty of something, my, myself included, like, you know, maybe I should have done something. Maybe I should have done that a little different. Yeah. Um, you know, um, of course, Lord knows we're not all perfect. Um, but be considerate of other hunters out there. You know, we, we're a dying breed. Yeah. Um, you know, applaud your your fellow hunter. Don't tear them down. Treat them right. Yeah. That way. Uh, you know, a, a rising tide. Wins. Yeah. 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 Everyone wins. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we want. That's what we're after, man. And you know, the irony of the, the, the whole point that you just made there in terms of like following somebody else in is. There sure seems to be a, an awful lot of people that complain about not being able to find a spot to hunt and get away from people in comparison or contrast to the people that follow other people up a trailhead or, or up a drainage or, or almost like they're purposely trying to like the guy you were referring to in that story. And so right. it's just a courtesy. It's a common courtesy thing. Like, you know how pissed off you get if somebody doesn't use their blinker and all of a sudden they stop in the, on the highway and turn in front of you, you know, that kind of thing is, it's just common courtesy. Yeah. Um, it's safer. It's better for everybody. And it's, it's just, it makes the hunt better for everybody and everybody gets a better experience out of it. And we'd all, you know, probably get along better on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have some so, self-awareness. Have yeah. some self-awareness. Yeah. It, you know, we all had to take hunter safety, right? Some of these safety issues, the, you know, muzzle control, all this other stuff. We all took hunter safety. And then we talk about etiquette and hunter safety. Um, we all took driver's ed, we all took hunter's ed, right? In driver's ed, in every state I've ever driven that I know of, it's illegal to drive slow in the left lane on a, yep. on, on when traffic's two lanes going one direction, right? Oh. It's illegal to, to drive slow in the left lane. Yet, if you drive very much, you're going to find there's a select group of people that are oblivious 
and they're driving a little slower than everybody else in the left lane. Mm-hmm. And they are the, probably the same kind of people who are oblivious to those etiquette things we talked about in Hunter's Ed. They're the same people. No that, muzzle control. They park at the trailhead with you and follow you up. And you know, the, the people that drive less than 55 miles per hour on Highway 200 from Clark Fork, Idaho to Sandpoint, Idaho, we're talking about you. <laughs> jerk like i can't stand you get off the road try the speed limit you know if the roads are clear <laughs> try the speed limit that's right it's a, it's a hazard it is really it really is man i mean get, i can't like people get freaking insanely mad i'm one of them and they're yeah. passing when they shouldn't be passing and because of this because people are going 38 miles an hour in a 55 and uh yeah don't i i, I could i could start a whole podcast <laughs> on just highway 200 from Clark Fork, Idaho to Sandpoint, Idaho. And, and the numb nuts that drive 10 miles under, under the speed limits. It's, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. We could Some start of us have the, day jobs. Yeah. We could start with that. And then we could, we could end on people not putting their shopping carts away. Oh, that one. Oh man. <laughs> that chaps my ass. What uh, kind, that you just like subhuman <laughs> is what that is. If you don't put your shopping cart away. I have yelled at people in a in a, oh, in a I parking lot. I, I embarrassed my wife one time because I <laughs> I rolled my window down and I said, "Is that where the shopping cart goes?" You know, I'm just screaming, and I, I can't stand that kind of stuff. Just th- yeah. there's a whole there's a whole list of that kind of stuff. Yeah, out in those the, are the same. Those are the same people that they don't are. Cut the wind falls out. That's they're right. Guaranteed. They're right. Yeah, they're they're cutting them out for a, a razor fifty inch or less, and and not for a normal pickup. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh. Anyways, well, tell everybody where they could find you if they uh, living under a rock and don't know where to already. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is the bugler, one word. Um, Facebook, the bugler, one word, and YouTube, the bugler, one word. So it's not the word bug- the bugler, and then one word behind it, it's just all in one word, the bugler. The um, bugler got some elk hunting videos on there. I need to start putting some more out. Um, you do, man. Kind of, yeah, I've got well, I've all my other videos, all my ones from two thousand one on are on the Phelps Game Calls channel. Uh, wait, wait, two thousand one on? Excuse me, two thousand twenty one. Oh, I was gonna say, man, I don't know Sorry. if YouTube was I, around back then. My my brain is a little bit foggy, but uh, <laughs> no, two thousand twenty one and 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 to current. Um, it's all everything's on on um on the Phelps Game Calls channel. But yeah. There may be some new videos start popping up on the old bugler. Well, you better hit me up when they do that. I, that one of the, one of the reasons I, I was uh, super excited to kind of befriend uh, Dirk was, is he, he had my favorite YouTube hunting channel oh. and uh, you, you do great videos, man. They're entertaining and educational all wrapped into one. You know how in a lot of videos, <laughs> hunting videos, you'll either get the ones that are kind of educational, but boring. And right. then the ones that are super entertaining, but not that educational, you right. have a way of meshing those together in especially the elk hunting videos. And uh, so really, really enjoy those. So keep doing what you do, brother. We'd love to see Thank more you. of them. Thank and you. And Phelps does a good job too. You, the ones you guys put yeah. on the Phelps channel, yeah. those are, those are yeah. awesome. Yeah. I got some coming down the pipe. I just, I'm almost done editing one um, from 2022. Um, I didn't get edited. Last oh man, year, you're behind I, the curve. I, here. I am. I am. And yeah. then I got a whole bunch from this fall. I got mine to edit and Phelps is to edit. And yeah, we got some stuff coming down the pipe. Probably won't see some of them till midsummer, but yeah. Um, cool. But uh, yeah. Good deal. 
All right, brother. Well, uh, as always, always a pleasure. It always goes by way fast. I, we've been like recording for over two hours here, and I, I didn't even realize it. So, uh, it was a good one, though. I think I think we'll uh, folks are going to get a lot out of it, and that's what we're always looking for. So, thanks again for joining me, uh, guys. Check it out at the Bugler on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, and also uh, don't forget to tune in to. Uh, Dirk and Jason Phelps kind of co-host. They take turns every other week, uh, hosting the cutting the distance podcast. It's really good. Uh, Dammerman, man, Bradley getting him on. Uh, oh yeah, He's dude, so that was a great episode. So, uh, ba- make sure you guys check that out. Um, and if you guys have something to add, this is kind of one of those podcast topics that I I'd like to, I, I don't want to just have like, uh, you know, a drive by, podcast episode and never talk about it again this this needs to be an ongoing conversation so if you guys have something to add on on the etiquette standpoint or you know your perspective of what good manners are in the woods uh hit me up at jim at the western huntsman.com or you can dm me at uh, instagram uh at the western huntsman and uh i'd love to read your thoughts and your feedback on what dirk and i talked about and also if you have some input that you'd like to add um, it's. I, I think it's a big topic that doesn't get touched on enough, and so we'd, we'd love to keep this conversation going for sure. So, um, Dirk, thanks again, brother. Let's let's uh, just keep in touch and do it again. Always my pleasure. Anytime. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman. And write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the